Hi, I'm Lisa Hammer from the Venture Brothers. I play Triana. And if I'm listening to pirate radio, it's only Hench Life Pirate Radio. I will listen to nothing else. It was the only show I will listen to. All the other ones are just trash. Hi, this is James Rubaniak and Dr. Thaddeus Rusty Venture. Huh, we sound the same. No, we don't. Anyway, please enjoy Hench Life Pirate Radio wherever you find your podcasts, if that's your thing. Beautiful. Um, can I tell you how excited I am that we're recording tonight? Well, and not only that, we are recording finally like another learning bed, getting to Comics 102, and there's a lot of comics news in between 102, like 101 and 102. We've had uh, a cult uprising in cinema, um, and yes, I'm that I'm talking about that film. Um, we've had a couple of great series, uh, you know, Marvel series hit the hit the ground running. We've gotten a very upset Robert Pattinson about Batman. Why is he upset? I missed this. Oh, because he doesn't get to be, and this is a fair point, by the way. He doesn't get to be a standalone Batman. Uh, so he is in like a world where like uh, Ben Affleck is simultaneously Batman and talking about coming back. And then there's Michael Keaton also. Um, so it's not like, you know, Michael Keaton's run or, or you know, Christian Bale's run, where when they were Batman, there were no other competing Batman, unless you count, you know, Kevin Conroy. I'm, I'm calling shenanigans on that because uh, you seem to forget that the 1960s Batman never left. Adam West was always Batman even when Michael Keaton was Batman. Adam West was always Batman, even when Christian Bale was Batman. Like, none of them outshone the legacy of Adam West. And he was still being Batman in a way that was closer to many people's hearts than the people who were viewing the movie. Oh, see, here's where, where you get it wrong, though. I'm not wrong. Robert Pattinson is wrong. Uh, first for Twilight, second for this. <laughs> but no, uh, no, I mean, and, and that's the thing is like, that's a very moody actor way to look at it. it is, I think it's almost like somebody who's playing Batman would look at it. <laughs> no, it is very man. Batman of him. Well, you know, so I'm my Batman. favorite example of this phenomenon is, uh, so Be Beast knows this, uh, but I really like opera, right? Like I, I really got into opera and I was just fascinated by the way people behaved on opera. Like, this is your brain, this is your brain on opera. They're two different things. Here's how it works, all right? Uh, at one point, a director is doing some prep, like they're doing like a rehearsal, it's a full dress rehearsal, everything's going down. And like the, the soprano is in there, she's singing, and the director asks her to take two steps to the left. 
At which point she bursts into tears, collapses on the floor and screams, I can't, I simply can't, right? Like the emotion is so high when you're trying to function in that world that it literally made this woman a running joke for the rest of all musical performance ever, right? And it's kind of the same thing I imagine with Batman. Like if you're trying to inhabit the character of Batman, you're gonna be kind of sensitive to certain things. No, no, you're supposed to like, Will Arnett's Batman from Lego Batman laid this out. It's like, I've never seen a feeling, never had a feeling, nope, not once I like, no, you just bury that shit deep down. Like it all slides off like Val Kilmer Teflon. Like acid off a duck's back. Go Team Venture! Gary, nobody cares about the Venture Brothers. People care. Well, just be quiet. All right, fine. People really need to know this stuff. But uh, I feel like we should take this opportunity to welcome all of our friends, family, guests, and plus ones out to another exciting episode of the Conjectural Technologies Adventure Industries Podcast, featuring yours truly, the inimitable Professor Brock Savage. As always, we are joined by my longtime companion, the indomitable, incomparable, Mode, and of course, the indefatigable villain who has to push the pram a lot. Now that we've all been introduced, I'd like to introduce you to each other. Vaud, this is Beast. Beast, this is Vaud. Hey. Uh, hey, hi. Uh, we hi. actually met uh, about a year ago, uh, actually over this exact, uh, this exact premise. Uh, Vaudevillain came to us after we did our Comics 101, uh, basically telling me very enthusiastically uh, all the things I missed. Uh, he was like, yeah, man, that was a great episode. Uh, don't be afraid to go longer, which clearly we haven't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's definitely his, his thumbprint and legacy of the, the show here uh, is, is long, strong, and bound to get the venture on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dude. I... Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's the Earl so Grey, man. I'm telling you, this shit stimulates so things in your brain. So good. That is if so you good. Rusty ventured up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So we are tackling Comics 102. And with that being said, I would very much like to introduce <clears throat> your very special guest host this evening a man for whom we are just tech support the vaude villain so he, he stole my opening lines here because i'm literally looking at the message i sent you guys about a year ago about uh comics 102 when we got around to that or when you guys got around to that 
uh, as it was back then. Um, I, I have a more organized list of uh, going through things in a little bit more of a grouped order, but just kind of for fun, let's go through my, my message to you guys and the um, <laughs> erratic um, fever pitched speed I went through being like, oh, and this one, oh, oh God, you guys got to get into this one. Cover this guy. I, I might be wrong here, but look into this. This, this. this might be a reference. That was about the speed my brain was going at that day. Um, and we start with one of my favorites. Uh, you guys went long and hard on Captain Sunshine in 101, and I was sat there on the edge of my seat waiting for it. You didn't get to Boggles. We did not talk about Boggles the Clue Clown. No, we didn't. Oh, not. well, and first off, I love a good inappropriate joke. Uh, so big props to Boggles on that. Like, <laughs> that's one of my favorite parts is uh, Red Mantle and Too Soon. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the, also, the clue clown is clearly the the was it the the Riddler, uh, you know, Joker love child. This is what happened after they had you know shared a cell in Arkham. Yeah, uh, it also included a piece of my favorite music done for the show, possibly the carnival be a trivia. Hmm. Would that be a menage trivia? <laughs> Sorry. In fact, he was born on April Fool's Day. <laughs> fun fact oh, his mom was told that he was wearing a condom <laughs> oh that would be a great origin for like a clue clown character <laughs> started off with a joke <laughs> right Oh, God. oh, and you were talking about the the music for that. Yeah, the uh, the carnival slash funeral music that they did. It's in the um, just that old school, like almost like on a crank style music. Um, it's really it's really sad and really brutal but at the same time i as someone who puts together a little bit of music from time to time i would have loved to have gotten the assignment of carnival carnival funeral carnival funeral is just a great combination of uh you know, uh, that's actually how I imagine Anton, like the way they described Anton LaVey playing the Calliope is how I imagine <laughs> like this, like the music you're describing. <laughs> uh, and for those who aren't, aren't in the know, Anton LaVey was the, the founder of the, the modern satanic church. Uh, a very interesting cat, like, you know, um, Aleister Crowley light type interesting um, but one of the things he loved to do was like play Calliope and do all these like dirges and stuff. And you were like, yeah, like funeral carnival music. I'm like, that sounds like an Anton LaVey album. I'd buy that. <laughs> like featuring Maynard on track three. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you the one who sent me a picture of him with some celebrity that you never would have guessed him with? I could, it, it, it had to have been. You'll have to go dig through all the photos. Yeah, I've got some weird hobbies, so probably. Yeah. <laughs> if it's weird and twisted, I usually go to, it must have come from Beast. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just typed in Anton LaVey and, and the first couple we got were Jane Mansfield, uh, who is Mariska Hargitay's mom. And yeah. We've got Marilyn Manson. That's not terribly surprising. Whoa, and then, whoa, whoa. How did 
Marilyn Manson get a picture with Anton LaVey? Um, it looks like uh, early Marilyn Manson, specifically that like South Florida goth scene. Like, do you remember? Mar- like, uh, was it uh, Anton LaVey disappeared? Just as far as I know. Which, you know, which is how magic works. <laughs> <laughs> he would be really offended by that, and that tickles me. <laughs> There, there's just 34 Anton LaVey's down in little chests in the water. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite photo of this batch that popped up is Anton LaVey doing a Halloween reading and it's got like this big satanic seal on the wall and a little boy in like a red hood and Anton LaVey is clearly doing like a reading. <laughs> oh, uh, I know he was in Rosemary's Baby. Uh, him, and, him and Roman Polanski were we're dudes we're buds he also had a far less celebrated turn as king lear he thought it was with two e's i'm just doing my part uh i need to go get some fucking like i need to get a top hat and a bow tie for that joke (laughs) (laughs) i am not fancy enough where's my monocle (laughs) <laughs> now we know what to do with them scrambled eggs. But I digress. All right. So uh, any, anybody have any other thoughts on Boggles? Boggles the Clue Clown uh, was the first council member to die. Well, he and had a heart attack. According uh, to right finger story. Uh, well, and I love uh, Captain Sunshine's um, like reaction to his death. Because at the end of the day, that's how we know Batman probably is like would react to the Joker's death on the inside. Like if he weren't there, like if Joker just like car accident, like food poisoning, just went out like a bitch, <laughs> like Batman would just be like, no! <laughs> like all of those dark feelings he had, like pent up buried in the bat cave would just erupt you know <laughs> bottles no if a joker dies in the woods does a batman scream <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. you know talking about batman stuff it's funny how much you love opera like don't take your kids to one or ballet service don't <laughs> <have ballet. laughs> he's like i'm making a batman <laughs> shit uh <laughs> yeah, there okay. is there's another uh, character that I wanted to get your read on. And Vaughn, I don't know if oh, this- Oh, hang on, hang on. We need to beat this dead horse real quick. As a dad, how the fuck fucking are you going to take your wife and ch- child down Crime Alley? It's called Crime Alley. This is no, what no. they call it this in is Gotham. It's a common misunderstanding. It was named after Archibald Cremay. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the, he, he was a famous Milner who lived right there. <laughs> I mean, I say famous, like early 1800s famous. It's pretty much like you were famous if you hadn't died of exposure, conjunction, or diphtheria. He lived like, to like 51. He lived to the ripe old <laughs> age of 51. There's a bench with a plaque still, all right? He demands respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, have you guys seen the, uh, like, apparently there's a YouTube supercut 
and it's multi like split screen of every time Martha and Thomas Wayne have been gunned down in Crime Alley, like next to each other. <laughs> I wonder now. Question: Would you say supercut? Uh, do they all start at the same time, or are th- all the key moments like did this guy? work frontwards and backwards so that it lines up with the parents getting shot in every video and it's just how much time before and how much time after like is there a standard time for all of these like it's like all right we've got to kill uh we got to kill bruce wayne's parents i need exactly four minutes and 16 seconds of material let's go and it's that that long well okay like Warner brothers has a unique production history that way like we know that chuck jones had rules for coyote and and roadrunner you can actually look this up online like the the 10 rules for making this so i wonder if like there's a an a, like a batman rule list like all right if any batman origin story you have to kill thomas and martha wayne in the first five minutes like if you do not kill them in the first five minutes we are taking it to the editing room and making it happen you open up they're in the theater something scary happening you can choose what they're watching but it has to be thematically on point then he gets oh. scared like <laughs> style points if the opera has bats in it yes <laughs> or maybe a coyote in a bat suit singing opera warner and brothers does bats. have a thing for opera Oh, dude, that would have been great if that was the opera they were saying, killed a wabbit. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually looked up the laws and the rules. You are correct. There are rules. There were nine of them. Oh, I'm sorry, nine. Uh, The the final of which is the coyote is always more humiliated than harmed by his failures. Yes. But I think that's life. (laughs) What doesn't kill you leaves you more humiliated. <laughs> right. <laughs> what doesn't kill you knocks you down a peg. Between that and like... Or, or two. Like I'm sitting here trying to think it like this feels like this is in direct opposition to a very popular like epistemology. And I'm trying to kind of put my finger on which one. And all I'm getting at is damn ditching or Dal de... Oh. <laughs> there must have been a time when like if all you really had was that and like the Dow, peanuts the Dow to chump <laughs> <laughs> no but if all you had was like that and the peanuts like cartoons were depressing you didn't have any other options everything was just telling you your life's gonna suck it, it's animated but your life's going downhill sorry kids so, question. <laughs> did you guys ever vibe with the peanuts I, I want to say I was just too young and I'm giving it credit for that. Like maybe a prior generation it just held the nostalgia for in a way I could never appreciate. I, I just don't see it. I loved Snoopy and Woodstock, but the kids were annoying. Yeah. I well, was... and, oh, there's one, there's a cartoon, there's a comic strip that is set before any of the Peanuts comic strip starts that explains it that Charlie Brown used to have a full head of hair and is actually the entire time through peanuts going through leukemia treatments. It was knocking him down a peg. I mean, in terms of like a a postmodern, like rendering of a, of a, you know, comic strip idea, it's good. That's like Garfield minus Garfield. Good. (laughs) Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> and if you haven't read Garfield minus Garfield, uh, only read it on a good day. It's terribly existential. John Arbuckle talking to himself is everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that you, you know, you, you are really pointing to this as essentially one of the deeper truths of all humanity found inside the pages of a comic. And good comics do that. Like, that's why I was so drawn to Calvin and Hobbes. But the thing about the peanuts, the reason why I asked was I never really vibe with the peanuts all that much. Like, I, I same way, like, I really like the Snoopy and Woodstock stuff, like Red Baron. I was shocked when I learned that that was not what the comic was actually about. Yeah. I was like, who the hell are these? Why? Why do I care? She's going to, dude, what's up with the football? No, no, wait, wait, wait. Okay, let me take that back. The football shit's funny. So <laughs> I don't like the shot in Freud in me is like, yes. here's the thing though. All right. So, you know, uh, it's the coyote principle, you know, that Kyle lived in Minneapolis for a long, long time, right? Yeah. Uncle Kyle lived in Minneapolis for a long, 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 long time. I lived out there with him for a little while. Minneapolis is amazing. What a cool city, right? It's, you, it's like one of the best cities people haven't made the time to go see like, like, Oh, Seattle, New York, dude, I'm telling you, Minneapolis is cool. Well, like, and Minneapolis actually has a banging indie uh, indie comic scene right now. Uh, Xander Ken and Kaiju Max dude, is out of uh, Indianapolis. Minneapolis has an amazing culture, all right? Um, but there, obviously, that's where Schultz was from. And his uh, life and stories are actually well-known to the people of that area, so much so that they can plot out what was going on in his life by the comics that he was drawing at the time like he was um, i thought like, he was from colorado springs apparently who well let's see because they've got the big thing at the mall of america peanuts is a huge deal in minnesota was he an alumnus of like mac or st paul i don't know but i i, I want to say the city where like peanuts like the the comic strip takes place is is colorado springs and I, I, the only reason I remember this is because uh, the Peanuts mo like animated movie that came out by... Uh, oh, yeah, he's born in Minneapolis. That's why. Okay. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, I did some research and because uh, the, the animated movie was actually really good. Uh, it way better than any of the comic strips. But we're not here to talk about goddamn comic the strips. We're here to talk about up. comic books. The reason I bring this up was... His peanut strips were autobiographical about the problems that he was having with his mistresses. Like, dude, he led, th this guy was into some stuff. And you can see it all play out in the peanuts, apparently. Interesting, because the, was it uh, the guy who created Wonder Woman, Professor Marston? That dude. Yeah, that, that dude's a pretty interesting guy. Yes, he, he did. Wonder Woman, like... <laughs> And, you know, they, honestly, the second, because you're the first person who really clued me into this. Like, I hadn't heard much about him, Beast, but you're the one who, who really made this blindly apparent. He's like, yeah, dude, it's uh, like, it's all B&D and. Oh, yeah. SM and like, here's all this other stuff that's going on. I was like, Wonder Woman? He's like, dude, think about it. <laughs> Name a time you haven't seen her tied up. What does she carry? Oh, yeah, the rope. Like, what's her outfit? Oh, yeah. Oh, like, dude, and she, for years, she had the lamest, like, weakness. She could fight, stop bullets, fast, like just fucking crazy awesome until a man restrained her arms behind her. Like this was a legit like Wonder Woman weakness. And yeah. this is a good segue into Wariana, who very much has her own BDSM games. <laughs> 
And it's always International Women's Day with her. Right. Uh, Brock learned a little bit about himself. Yes, <laughs> But uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, a Wonder Woman uh, parallel, like, I mean, she's funny and good. Like, she reminds me a lot of Xena um, in that way. Like, there's a yeah. lot of, like, Lucy uh, Lawless like, or maybe that's just like the, the, you know, 90s kid and me, like throwing that parallel, but. No, I think that tracks. And I mean, seeing as the kind of references the guys tend to pull from for the show, mixing uh, Xena with a little Wonder Woman, like that totally tracks for me. I don't want to say I've seen anything written anywhere that, that that's the actual uh, intention there, but definitely, definitely tracks. Well, and I, I love how dismissive she is in her daily life. Oh, yeah, Heracles, there's some coffee over there. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like, just all sex in the city telling Brock to get his shoes and get the hell out. Like, <laughs> I did not know that Warriana was voiced by Kate McKinnon. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That is pretty awesome. Gets a little... Uh... Uh, you know, when I'm looking, so she's obviously, so she's missing a breast, which was a thing that they believed that the Amazons did in order to make them be able to fully draw the bow. Uh, that, of course, uh, it, it was tentatively based on the Scythians, but uh, none of the Scythian graves they've dug up have found that kind of damage. Because there are a lot of mummies from that time period, too, actually. So, like, um, I, okay. you know, uh, I get I'm an archaeologist. I'm digging up stuff in, in Scythia or, you know, fucking Greece, wherever, right? And then, like, I, I come across, like, this weird pile of, like, boobs. <laughs> like, the just boob a, burial ground. Maybe that's yeah. what Diane and Multimamia was getting them. Oh, dude, oh, well, I mean, and it was, at some point, you're just like, wait a minute, did Ed Gein go on vacation? Oh. Yeah, Get in you the know, car, Ed. <laughs> Why, no, why? <laughs> why? Back to the future and Ed Gein. <laughs> what do you think it was about Wariana that what, like, if you're, we're looking at her. He is life, dying. He killed himself. <laughs> he did. <laughs> this time traveling Ed Gein is like cracking him up. And I think it's very specifically future. back to the future. Yeah. Just just him. Talk about getting, mom issues. The car comes in. <laughs> <dog drive>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is all too perfect. Yeah. Leah Thompson still has to play the mom. <laughs> so, anyway, Wariana. One boob. No. Vod's driving, man. I'm just in the back seat throwing popcorn. Well, he actually switched it up and he took a little little bit of the wheel there going to worry on, but no, totally. I know. And actually, I didn't I didn't, to... I didn't I didn't I didn't have her on my list, so actually that was a good pull there. I uh I, I you know what else guys... is a good pull? Hmm. Uh my my next one on the list here, going a little deep cuts DC, uh going into the magic side. One of my favorite sort of he seems kind of throwaway -y as a villain. Um Chris, no, no, curse. Uh curse. <laughs> curse is one where I'm kind of possibly stretching a little bit, but uh DC's Mordrew. Um he's sort of a going way back, he was in like um 
Well, dude, they Lords made... of Chaos or Order of Chaos, Lords of Chaos. They made a reappearance again in like Young Justice. They have uh, a Dead Man reference. I don't think you're. We're getting off. to Dead Man. We're we're getting to Dead Man. Hold your horses. Well, Hold... no, but I was gonna say like they 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 have a Dead Man reference, so they're not afraid to go like into the true. deep dash of DC. Very true. Uh, it's so more I, just I, I, think I, you're I found much on the right track here. I found looks of him throughout the. I mean, because he's been a character. Um, uh, some of the other ones here have actually got first appearances, but I don't have his. Uh, I want to say he's at least going back to like the the sixties or so. Um, no, they're they're definitely not afraid to go back and pull through on these guys. Uh, they, they they clearly have a deep love of Sil- Silver Age, so that's already getting them back into the right era. Um, so, it, who's the deep cut of of either like you know of any given comic universe? that you would want to see a venture parody of? What character would I want to see a venture parody of? But like a deep cut. Like, I would love to see like a, a Dark Hawk. Like, all right, here's this outer space suit, which is clearly going to malfunction somehow, but you can you can throw in a Guyver reference here also. But for whatever reason, Dark Hawk has, like, also has a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> This is so good. Beast, I, I gotta tell you, if I had never known you, I would be thoroughly in the need to know you after you just pulled a Dark Hawk and Guyver reference and then tessellated it into the Venture universe so expertly. Like, that was excellent. Uh, you straight up, dude, no one, no one I knew read Dark Hawk. Except for me. <laughs> uh, Nar- Darkhawk and Night Thrasher. I was a New Warriors guy. Uh, like, I, well, okay. To be fair, it was the 90s. Anybody <laughs> who had a skateboard was cool. Yes. All right. Like, what was that movie uh, with the kid from like California who gets stuck in like a Wisconsin town? It's like going all the way or Super Edge or something. But he's like a skateboarder. It's kind of like Footloose with skateboards. Oh, Airborne. Airborne, yeah. yeah no, got, I know exactly. And, and it's got uh, the Cha-Ching Kid, the one who did uh, Robot Chicken. Yeah, um, um, Breck and Meyer. No. Breck and Meyer, and Jack Black was in that also. Yeah. Moon Doggy, that was his whole thing. He, yeah. he kept calling the, the California kid Moon Doggy. Um, and by yeah, the way, uh, Jack Black's mom worked for NASA. I saw this the other day too, dude. dude that was crazy. And like his mom was in labor during like a landing. No, no, fucking... no, no. It was when they were trying to save the Apollo 13 astronauts. Oh, that's right. And she took He's the fucking the she took the this, like work to system. the fucking bed, like while she's giving like birth to Jack Black and trying to save goddamn like three astronauts. Like, yeah. Like she's literally the one who came up with that thing that saved their lives. And she was doing it while she was in labor at the hospital. She got done with her math, handed it over. And then Jack Black was born. Ron Howard, you fucking failed us. (laughs) (laughs) You gave me like two and a half hours of uh, goddamn Ed, what's his name in a fucking vest and Tom Hanks pissing in space but you couldn't have given me like five minutes of like Jack Black's mom being fucking badass. I'm a little mad at you, Ron Howard. To be fair, that movie was from an earlier time. Fair enough. Yeah. That was before we even acknowledged that black, like women helped us get to the moon. (laughs) (laughs) 
like that that was at least eight or nine years ago and I, I feel like we've come so far since then as a society so uh i'm gonna throw out another comic book i'm sorry another character here uh that i feel like is going to spur a lot of discussion among you the intangible fancy do you remember who he is He's meant to be. Or Voiced by Christopher McCullough. This mm -hmm. character was invisible. No, yeah, he was in the... No, um, I remember it. Tag sale, you're it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Who? then uh, he shows up later, like, uh, in Guild video stuff. Yeah, one of my favorite parts of the description of him was intangible state, no genitals, troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> Which got me thinking, which character is this based on? Uh, or is it based on someone they knew? <laughs> honestly, it doesn't... Depending on the interpretation of the character, sort of, um, I kind of always looked at him as Shade. Um, Shade kind of has this ability to become Shadow, and in some interpretations of him, he doesn't really ever have much of a human form other than sort of looking like the shadow of a person. Um, but then there's other versions of him where he is like uh, sort of a guy in a top hat and very like English gentlemanly looking, but then he can just dissolve into a shadow. Um, that was always my first initial pull on him way, way, way back when, but love the idea of a character that they're, 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 they're more than happy to do the super science elements of like, oh yeah, he's just sort of like a pile of human energy. Like we're, we're willing to go there. Early on, that was the nice indication that they, they, didn't have rules on themselves at all well and okay so i think uh we can officially like kind of sit down and, and put venture characters into two categories right there is the venture characters uh that are clearly based on on references and then there are venture references or venture characters that are clearly just based on wordplay and you see a lot of that like one of the funnier ones to me was white static yeah, like, you know the the cable repair guy who's a you know white supremacist, yeah. you know uh, intangible fancy uh, being another one of those names. I kind of lumped him into that category. Uh, bum go. rush tank top. Yeah, but the, uh, the <laughs> you've got a third category, right? And that's why can't we do both? Blind rage. Yeah. Well, and the the why can't we do both category? I feel like is, is kind of an asterisk to, to the comic one because like, you know, uh, they've got to have an obvious reference, but they're not going to call him daredevil, you know, so they're going to make a reference to him being blind, you know, blind rage kind of, I, I don't even think it's really on the nose. I think it's just a catchphrase because he wasn't like a ragey dude. He was just a douchebag. Yeah. You don't like spell you're on your menses. Like, you, you don't my, uh, it was like Andrew Dice, uh murdoch so <laughs> right. Dude, uh, in that scene with red death like, oh, so good so uh, i just got my pull for your random deep cut character not i don't know how deep cuts you call him but i would love to see a guy gardener pop up in venture universe that would that be a deep that's a good one that is a i good don't know i don't know how deep he is but i at the same time i feel like his his personality in lends itself like, so nicely so, to the DC universe in <laughs> or to the venture like universe. Green Lanterns, that is definitely like a least popular pull. Oh, and he's a least popular pull anywhere. They're 
going to pull a Green Lantern, you know that's the one that they're going to pull. Like if, exactly, if they were going to pull one. You know, okay, they're not. so instead of Guy Gardner being an actual like you know he's a comic book artist, what's the venture version? The so guy, like, he, the venture version. Oh, dude, you know what it is? Look at his haircut. Guy Gardner is clearly a power bottom at a local New York sex club, and he gets the like this magic cock ring <laughs> that as long as he puts it on, he can control uh like his imagination it reminds me a little bit of uh the guy from uh well what was the movie with ben stiller and janine garofalo where their super mystery team mystery men mystery oh men. yeah yeah like the guy who could turn kel could turn invisible but as only as long as no one was looking at him <laughs> like i feel like he'd have some version of that <laughs> oh dude yeah no uh, a team up with shorely would be amazing no and in my mind he's doing like uh very like Oh, ooh, this is going to be word of the episode, by the way. Uh, doing very uh, ribaldrous uh, or, or comic strips full of ribaldry for like gay magazines. Kind of like the comic strips you see in Playboy, but like, you know, for gay, like, you know, for a gay magazine. He's got to be an artist, the imagination, man. Like, that, that's the whole thing about Guy Gardner. Yeah. So instead of whipping out like a comic book character on you, this is going to be a multifaceted dildo and you were going to run in terror. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys ever saw you run toward it in excitement depending yeah. on. Yeah. I just like how we bring up Guy Gardner and quickly get to dildo. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a natural progression with that character. Uh, I think I figured out which character I would probably like them to pull. Do you remember the Nth Man? Did you ever come across the Nth Man? Nth man? No. So there was this phase in the 80s where ninjas were awesome. It was called the 80s. All right. And ninjas were awesome. All right. They were awesome. Still are. I don't know if you know about this little thing called Cobra Kai that's making ninjas cool again. And there are no ninjas on the fucking show. Right. All right. So here's the kicker though. So this dude was like you're like, you know, kind of like a ninja. And but he was an orphan who turned out to be a Russian orphan raised in a mid Midwest orphanage. And he was there with this kid named Alfie who was crazy. And uh, Alfie, as old as time. Yeah. Nth man ends up going off and training and becoming like super like Anglo ninja. Right. And uh, Alfie gets crazy. And Alfie's got all these crazy magic powers. And Nth man, this dude's not only awesome, he has no shirt. <laughs> he wears pants there's a sword across his back which i'm sure has got to chafe his nipples because he's not wearing a shirt like and turns out he's not only got all these amazing gun skills like black widow and all these amazing sword skills like storm shadow uh he's also got crazy mind bending universe altering powers thanks to alfie so that right there where in the world is our Anglo ninja Michael Dudikoff, American ninja? Like, like, uh, we had him, his name was Flying Sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and I was gonna say, I mean, um, God, what was the, the one, uh, uh, the one white dude, the Valiant comic, Ninjak. Yeah, I remember Ninjak. But he's more like Batman. Like, okay, here's my thing. If you have crazy fucking cosmic powers, what the fuck is the sword for? 
uh, <laughs> mostly fighting commies. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I, I heard communists are allergic to swords. <laughs> Bullets, <laughs> my only weakness. <laughs> and where where's Inthman from? Is this a DC character or Marvel? Marvel? Dude, wow. it was really in- it, it's worth checking out. Now, uh, okay, here's I, a Marvel character have- that was clearly made for the Ventureverse. Spider-Ham. <laughs> right. <laughs> My favorite scene in like the the Enter the Spider Verse movie is when they're telling their their stories like bitten by a radioactive spider pig, <laughs> and they're all just kind of like look at him. Yeah. Um, Mister Immortal would be a good one. Uh, also, a uh, Squirrel Girl would be a good parsover. Only actually make her a squirrel, like. Yes. Yeah. Who's like horribly misshapen and kind of looks like a girl. <laughs> Like some sort of weird David Cronenberg, tiny. Oh, and actually, that that leads us right into uh, the next one I've got on my list here, uh, Carl the Cheetah, uh, possibly a cheetah analog. Um, did the gender switch on? There's a few actually in here where they could have possibly just been going for a gender swap uh, version of. Um, but I like the fact that like. Uh, people maybe didn't like the new movie quite so much, but how Cheetah didn't exactly know how she became a Cheetah uh, really in the movie and Carl got turned into a Cheetah against his own will. Um, I I, I liked Carl the Cheetah. I loved that entire episode. Um, What was it? I love Uh, the way that like you, you have actually just subtly compared wonder woman 1984 to like a body horror film and it is like let's talk about how wonder woman and steve trevor are fucking terrifying dude if that movie had been made by anyone other than who it was made by i imagine the feed the blowback would have been so much worse dude uh this is i mean isn't this the same premise of uh get out except for not a racial premise (laughs) right yeah, it's like they stole this dude's identity just so he can fuck around. And he's just yeah. sitting passenger. Like, you don't know if he's enjoying it or not enjoying it or this is freaking him out. Like, no, nah, this dude is just riding shotgun in his own fucking life. <laughs> how did this get through is the question I have. Like, how did this get through? Like, how many people, how many hundreds of people read this story and not once were they like, you know, this is kind of iffy. <laughs> that movie has issues um it's (laughs) it's not good it's not good Kristen wig deserved better she did (laughs) she did she definitely did is that the is that the they really cheated her out of it uh, oh so hatu told me a joke today why shouldn't you play why shouldn't you play poker in the rainforest because there are cheetahs because there are too many cheetahs and I was like, I, I, I was like, there are no cheetahs in the rainforest. They're <laughs> like, all in the savanna. Like. Yeah, and that's what I said. Like, if you really want to tell this joke, you should say it's in the savanna or the Serengeti. And uh, he was God, like, what are you like no. six? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Although, although, I appreciated the joke. I think I got Awkward that 1984. Pause. 
1984 reference bio. I don't think anybody noticed that. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I saw it there and I, I was like, ah, fuck, it's the perfect example. I guess I gotta go. <laughs> wow, I love the train of thought here. It's like Guy Gardner to Dildo, uh, David Cronenberg to Wonder Woman 1984 whole body horror. Like, making connections, people. I dig it. You know, it would be hilarious to see. I don't know if this would even be possible. So, you know, a human centipede comic? Yes. Imagine that as the superhero <laughs> in the Ventureverse. They, oh. they call himself the human millipede. And. <laughs> <laughs> there are just more of them and they fight crime by making everyone around them throw up yeah so i thought i came across some fun idea the other day uh what if healing stones worked because you felt better after you threw them at people it's like a smash room yeah like here's some healing stones and you just chuck rocks at people so, have you ever heard of the stone Amethyst? Yes. Do you know that's a DC comic, by the way? You know where the name comes from? A meaning not or un, and Methyst meaning alcohol or drunk. So believe- wait a minute, I've gotten Methodists all wrong this entire time. Yes. So uh, Amethyst is not drunk. It's literally a Greek phrase meaning not drunk. And they believed that if you held that stone, you wouldn't get drunk so fast and you could keep drinking. Well, yeah, if you're holding the rock, you can only drink with one hand. And <laughs> two. <laughs> I mean, they're on to something. <laughs> this is some Advil between the knees kind of uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> avoidance <laughs> teaching. These rocks are falling out. If you hold two rocks, really works. Like... <laughs> Dude, I've been holding two rocks for like years now and I haven't been drunk once. Uh, right? <laughs> okay. So now that we're talking about alcohol, let's talk about children. Um, <laughs> <Rocket> Impossible. <laughs> he was the next one on my list. Miss, little, little Mr. Rocket Impossible. Um, that little kid should blow up with ridiculous powers in the next couple of years. We should have already seen that happen. Um, in the comics, like the, Franklin Richards, yeah, yeah, Franklin Richards, that little kid's essentially. It's if you aren't as familiar with comic books, but you have children and have seen Pixar movies, think Jack Jack. Um, just a ball <laughs> of every imaginable powers, and the kid's off the charts by the time I want to say he's in the womb. Um, well, so uh, by the end of Secret War, what was it? By the end of Secret Wars, twenty fifteen. Uh, yeah, the, he was like putting together whole universes, like on on presuppositions. Like, yeah, what if grass was just green in you know this world, but the sky was was red? Go and just like there's a universe, uh, you know. Um, uh, that kid must be really even more difficult to babysit because he gaslights you on like a reality level. It's your bedtime. <laughs> Yeah, time doesn't exist anymore. Well, I'll be damned. Time doesn't exist. Uh... <laughs> and this kid, they just left in the middle of Central Park. <laughs> so <laughs> much <laughs> with the uh, with like the the Celestials uh, Galactus equivalent. <laughs> and so, okay, 
one of my favorite things about Franklin Richards, Franklin Richards actually uh, used to be babysat by Aunt May. Now, one time in, uh, I want to say it was the 70s, uh, Aunt May was attacked while babysitting Franklin Richards. Like they were coming for Franklin. And so uh, out of nowhere, kind of like how, uh, you know, was it Mr. Universe manifests like, you know, uh, in different characters, uh, she gets the power cosmic and becomes the golden oldie. She's made out of like pure gold um, and like, you know, basically fends off the, the evil for the day. But that's pretty much the level of babysitter you need for, uh, you know, reality maker. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name you give him for like when you're talking about him when he's been bad. Well, little, <laughs> little reality maker over here. He's been. That's <laughs> reality maker, the one who stole secrets. <laughs> so, okay. If uh, was the name of the person who was convicted of giving away state secrets? I, I have no clue what you're referencing. No, actual, I don't know the reference. An actual news story from like two or three years ago. And that's why I don't know it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> if it's oh, not made up news. Actual news. This didn't show up in like a Venture Brothers like arch posting group. I don't fucking know it. Yeah, her name <laughs> is Reality Winner. She was convicted of removing classified material from a government facility and mailing it to a news outlet. She was given the longest sentence ever imposed for unauthorized release of government information to the media. Her name is Reality Lee Winner. <laughs> oh, that's kind of crap. That's a lot to unpack. You can't yeah. write this shit. Like, I, mm -mm. I, I would believe you're making this up or reading some sort of like Aaron Sorkin script, but I know you're not. <laughs> so, okay. If your child had the ability to like do that, like on a whim, like what's the venture version of that? Because to me, the venture version of that is Legion. <laughs> like, yeah, you can make reality, but you're schizophrenic. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you're the human torch, but it burns your skin. Right. <laughs> How, How about this? You can make reality, but you have no imagination. It's like, I gave you this beautiful box of crayons and you're painting everything, you're coloring everything brown. Oh, dude, it's Harold and the Purple Crayon. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you can make any reality you want, but you have no imagination. What you drawing, buddy? A box. <laughs> brown box. Right. It's like a memory impairment. You have some form of like a no long-term, no short-term memory, but you have the ability to create anything, but you can't remember anything. So you're just sat there like... Constantly recreating a figure from a movie you saw when you were six. <laughs> so you turn into the guy who's going, Rosebud. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like there it's all be, you ever had. I feel like there should be very clearly be a Venture Brothers character called Red Tape. <laughs> stops you from doing anything necessary <laughs> like if you play paper rock scissors he's just paper 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 oh dude his sidekick's paper cut yeah okay there's your white ninja red tape yeah I, he can immediately stop any action but he is <laughs> defeated by tax cuts <laughs> I don't know. 
He's defeated by the power of. Truth. Yeah, I was gonna say, how do you deregulate a person, like in in real time? <laughs> a filibuster boy. Yeah. <laughs> the filibuster. <laughs> you just keep talking at somebody until you, they think you're never gonna stop, and then you hit him over the fucking head with a book. <laughs> filibuster sounds like instructions from a Yin Yang Twins song. Uh. Think, hang on, hang on, hang on. Filibuster is a founding father's person, a founding father's themed like local superhero from Philadelphia who has boxing gloves and the Rocky headband around his powdered wig and coattails. He wears breeches and Nikes. That's the filibuster. And his uh, <laughs> his layer. Oh, what was it? I just had it and then I laughed at it. And then because I laughed at it, it disappeared. <laughs> oh, and he's got a bald eagle who also has boxing gloves on his feet instead of claws, which means whenever he lands, he falls over. So it's like, you know... It's, uh, scream an eagle and the eagle comes in lands on his shoulder and it falls over because he's got boxing gloves around his claws. <laughs> that sounds like some Teen Titans go. Like, I yeah. <laughs> It'd be that one versus uh, what's the, the British guy oh, that they've got on there? Filibuster's uh, like super secret like uh, hideout is called um the bully pulpit oh good yeah oh, there we go that's good. what it was i knew it would come back around it's like a boomerang yeah oh <laughs> i should away and it comes back and his superpower both because of the filibuster and philadelphia is racism he throws batteries <laughs> he throws lethal batteries to people <laughs> <laughs> How many listeners do you think we have in Philadelphia? Bye. We love you guys. Don't throw batteries at <laughs> me. Wouldn't that be awful if the filibuster were just like a key, like an AIDS-ravaged Tom Hanks with a pair of boxing gloves that are too heavy for him to raise? Wasn't Philadelphia where Bill Burr went on his like 11-minute rant? Oh, if you've never seen... Only 11 never... minutes? Bill Burr? Really? <laughs> Uh, if you've never seen it, the Bilber Philly rant. Philadelphia incident is what it's called from 2012. If you've never seen this, treat yourself. This is a masterful comedian who has done taking shit from an audience who is just being horrific, apparently. And he takes his entire set to basically just take it out on the crowd. And it's, oh, it's great. He starts counting down the minutes eight minutes i got eight more minutes and then he just goes back at the crowd he rips philly apart every sports team uh the fact that they've only got a statue for rocky balboa and not the actual joe frazier real guy because you guys can't handle a black guy statue like he goes <laughs> at them. yeah here are a couple of lines i hope you all effing die and i hope the eagles never win the super bowl he began he's like let's talk about he let's you talk know everybody about in philly was like that's harsh. Why wouldn't you want the Eagles to win a Super Bowl? <laughs> Let's talk about heart disease, something you're all going to fucking die of, and I'm going to laugh at your fucking funerals, Burr continued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
if you ever have a the world needs to burn kind of a day and you've never seen it treat yourself save it treat yourself <laughs> um a decade later saying i wasn't a professional what i should have done was i should have kept my head in the game to survive it so it came out and threw gas on a fire that was already going <laughs> <laughs> See, what doesn't kill you knocks you down a peck or two. He, he said his only material regret that night was failing to trash the Sixers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Can you say right, solid... oh, hang, on, hang on, hang on. Bill Burr was in Star Wars. Yep. What would Bill Burr be in, like, if we were going to make a live action Venture Brothers movie, what would Bill Burr be? Oh, he'd be Blind Rage. Hmm. I don't know. See, here's I think the thing is, I don't want to give him too much time on screen. I think he's wasted his blind rage. He's got the red hair. He's got to be related to somebody. <laughs> Flash forward to older Dermot. <laughs> 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 Although I will rate the Philadelphia, like based on what I've seen, like what I've heard, I'll give this a tentative like eight arching. <laughs> like after I'll, I'll 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 amend that number after i check it out like, i gotta tell you i feel like bill burr, bill burr would already be on the council <laughs> like, councilman seven uh, yeah well, and what, what's what's seven, uh, calm down um he's actually really good friends with a uh comedian from actually my area the area i'm in uh she was from oh well, where was it uh gastonia um her name's treasure um colored curly hair like funny as shit like you know really good like you know southern humor um and and i say that because like there is very bad southern humor uh <laughs> so she's she's one of the, the kind of fresh crop of new comedians and you know she's uh, a lesbian and like you know very flannelly and stuff and like she comes out and like talks about like bill burr's like her mentor she was like you know you see a stand-up and you assume what kind of guy he's gonna be you know, he's going to be very like intolerant or this or that. And he hangs out with Joe Rogan, but no, he's like the sweetest, like most tolerant, most PC guy. And Bill Burr's like, yeah, will you tell this shit to my fucking wife already? <laughs> <laughs> so just to, to, okay, we've got way the fuck off track there. So just to kind of warm ourselves back up and in, uh, the next thing I had down here is actually perfect. Uh, Tigerific makes the comment when he's in there in um, the jail at the beginning of season two after the monarch gets locked up. Um, he's going through a plan about um, how we're going to get out of here with everybody. They're, the plan's going down like tomorrow or something. But Tigerific says he can't do his part of the plan because all of the power he had came from his suit. Um, which I just kind of always led into the great question of if you had powers, would you want to be a tech based hero or would you want to be like a natural born ability hero? Um, the, 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 the Tony Stark, uh, the, the difference in Peter Parker's when Peter can either actually produce web out of his hand or if he actually has, no, we don't acknowledge that. No, no, no. <laughs> you're all canister. Yeah, we have, we have standards. Uh, <laughs> Mostly because organic web shooters, uh, A, is gross as fuck, as we've seen on Venture Brothers. Uh, and B, that takes away uh, a big characteristic about Peter Parker. Peter Parker is 
a fucking genius. Like, that's kind of the whole thing. Like, one of my favorite runs on Spider-Man was Superior Spider-Man. We were going back to that whole body horror thing where Doc Ock is basically riding, you know, Peter Parker and Peter Parker's like having to just fucking sit shotgun on that shit. And he's like, the fuck have you been doing? You're smart. You don't have a PhD already. Gets him a PhD, starts a company, gets a girlfriend and manages his life. Superior fucking Spider-Man. And that goes to show you like how important the intelligence is to Peter, because it's not just, you know, showing how smart he is, but showing you like his genuine fault is he's not as as active as he could be i mean and let's call it pragmatically what it is he's also a selfish shit you've got this fucking like you know uh non-lethal like you know technology that police could be using instead of gunning down people for like you know leaving a convenience store like it's the same thing with batman yeah no Bruce Wayne has all the fucking money to provide like all the socioeconomic, you know, change needed in Gotham to help prevent and stop crime. But, but he's, he's just Gotham hostage so he can dress up in his fancy suit and run around playing uh, genius. And beat the shit out of mentally ill people. Yeah. Hey, 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 like Robert Pattinson said, only one Batman at a time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we? No, uh, I love tearing down he, my heroes. What's that? <laughs> So I love tearing down my heroes. Um, we have not talked about uh, Vod was Shameface on your list. Shameface. Yeah. Who who was Shameface? That name's not even ringing a bell. Inmate whose face and body were severely, excuse me, severely burned in an accident involving superheated <laughs> plasma. Uh, he is uh, obviously you know a character disfigured by his own misguided action, right? like Two-Face uh, and the Joker. Uh, he generally has like, you know, when you're looking for like cool villains, right? Like, you know, he's not quite like radical left, right? Where you have this like kind of cool looking disfigurement. No, no, no. This dude is just ugly. So imagine if like, you know, when Matt Murdock had gotten blinded, it made him horribly ugly to look at <laughs> like instead of one of the biggest playboys of marvel during the 1970s and 80s yeah. comic runs basically 90s too yeah <laughs> i think i got some of them. <laughs> yeah, dude i mean uh i think the only other dude who has like a like more like who has more of a uh you know reputation as a lothario in the the marvel universe is hawkeye you keep uh, doing that out, man. Uh, like, it, it, like more so than Tony Stark. Yeah, I mean, Tony Stark eventually got married, but like his whole thing was like, "Hey, I'm Hugh Hefner plus superhero suits." Like, well, no, like Hawkeye was always work that. romance. Like, uh, one of my favorite issues of the Matt Fraction run, and they can't do it in the upcoming Hawkeye series, which is kind of a bummer. Because this Hawkeye is married, right? So in, in the proper like 616 Marvel Universe and, and the, the Matt Fraction run, uh, there was, an, uh, <laughs> there was a, a comic where uh, Clint gets the shit beat out of him. And then his three ex-girlfriends, uh, Black Widow, Mockingbird, and uh, Captain Marvel all have to team up to find out who beat the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's great um and it is phenomenal but yeah like I, I think his dating record is a little bit 
different uh, just because it was all centered on like workplace romance. Um, and I mean, that was the whole thing with like the, the Matt Fraction run was how bad Hawkeye was at his personal life. Like Hawkeye was not like at his best on his day off. No. <laughs> at his best at work. Like... Also, according to the same run, he killed Osama bin Laden. So, you got that. You would figure a guy like him could actually get the shot. I, wait, they literally did Osama bin Laden, though? This one I didn't... I never read this one. And so, the thing is, uh, <laughs> it happens just using the term off-screen, quote-unquote, well, off-panel. Uh, so, what happens is somebody is blackmailing him and uh black widow um for a mission that they did for the government not shield not anybody else for like u.s government um and the videotape showed up you know kind of crops up type deal and on the tape is him like you know putting an arrow in you know the marvel analog for uh osama bin laden um, so they don't actually like show it, but like they they allude to it, and the plot's all centered around like it's on this tape. Because I know they did like the uh, the nine eleven heroes comics and all our comic and all that. Uh, New York's obviously where they're at, and it all made sense for them to do that. But I didn't realize like they they stuck with that story. <laughs> like we're gonna see this all the way to the end. Damn it! Like <laughs> I just got another horrible Ventureverse uh, character. Um, he's a uh, terrorist who loves sword and sandal movies. Osama bin Hur. <laughs> uh, if we're going to go ahead and just like, if we're going to put the tip in, we might as well go full thrust and like that is clearly a trans version of Muhammad. <laughs> 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 um all right but i digress vaughn you're turning shades buddy you're getting like you, you've gone from red to purple this has been this has been good this is this has been killing me it's nice and steadily the whole way through <laughs> still got ed gein and doc brown flying around back there uh <laughs> That that basically got me to the end of uh oh uh, the last one on my list that I had just kind of wrapping up from the very beginning here, uh, Vespertina uh, shows up in um, bot seeking bot down in Don Hell's club. Uh, we had this awesome um, poison ivy reference. Um, they gave her a more floral looking costume. She's literally coming out of like it looks like an orchid. Um, Shore leave, I believe, hits on her. No, 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 reverse. No, she, she hits, hits on, on shore. She hits on shore leave, and then he very easily tells her that she's barking up the wrong tree while ordering two drinks for himself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that that was the the last one I had there, and then I see I've got my note here saying, "And keep going longer. Don't be afraid of going over three hours." That was the last thing I sent to you guys a year ago. <laughs> And Which means the, the four is history. Yeah, the four-hour <laughs> episode is uh, our greatest achievement, in my opinion. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Hashtag inject tech cut. 
Uh, we have not yet begun to prom. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's immediately next. We're we're heading into that. I we're, we're I'm lining up guests as we speak. Guest so far. Um. I want to say one of the biggest areas, it, it got touched on a little bit in 101, um, but there was just kind of so many so quickly that getting all the references down in this little group is going to be tough. It came later in the show. Um, Wes Warhammer's uh, little collective group that he's got going on there, it's completely chock full of characters. Um, Ultraviolent, uh, clearly a star sapphire analog. Um, that one was amazing. Uh, Shehemoth was clearly <laughs> Giganta. Um, well, and this is my favorite version that they're ripping off of the the like ripping the riffing off of the the Legion of Doom is the Super Friends version, <laughs> the Legion of Doom. Like uh, they even had the announcer voice. We get Giant Indian at one point earlier in the show. Like they yeah. clearly had a love for that show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> dude, uh, uh, maybe an inch. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, Gerard the Gorilla uh, was a Monsieur Mala uh, analog. Um, that was one of my favorite ones because they were kind of going into some of my favorite DC stuff, getting into Doom Patrol references. Um, they, well, they, they went around everywhere, but they did uh, both uh, him and then actually, um, what was his character's name? Uh, the Nerve, uh, who's actually one of the councilmen, who's basically the, the brain with a set of eyes in a sort of purple body <laughs> cavity suit thing. Yeah, um, no, sorry, guys, I can't make it. I'm going to be on the moon. Yeah, the the oh, moon, stop. my ash! <laughs> Dude, I love how he says that too. Moon, you're coming out. <laughs> moon. It's the same like stank on it when you go ding, <laughs> boom. Um, but yeah, that was a, a fairly dead on uh, the brain. Uh, both of them showed up actually in the same uh, first appearance issue. Uh, it was an old Doom Patrol. Um, the the fact that they're touching into Doom Patrol stuff, I mean that that is a comic that lends itself perfectly, kind of into getting venturized. Um, and if you haven't checked out the show, that's another great one. Um, first, Actually, I need to run through that. The first season was one of the weirdest, greatest things I remember watching at that point. And then comics kind of been upping its game ever since then. So season two had definitely some highlights, but season one was absolutely amazing. They did a really good job on that one. Um, I feel like uh, a show we definitely need to go ahead and kind of talk about we've talked about it a little bit um and i haven't even finished it because i love sipping on it you're going to well, harley quinn aren't you yes um and very much they get you know parallel to venture brothers a lot and i think the big deal with that is is mostly like the workaday aspect of like everyday criminal life <laughs> Uh, and you get some wonderful performances that i would even say are are you know on par with you know the venture stuff but the of course you know the unique leg up is they don't have to create clever riffs on their properties they just have fucking king shark 
<laughs> Which, by the way, like Ron Funches King Shark as like tech support is just the best thing. <laughs> like the one scene, yeah. No, but thank you for like having me hack this computer. Nobody ever, you know, lets me use my abilities. Chomp like and eats the guy like the chair. Um, and uh, speaking of King Shark, you guys forgot Tiger Shark. Um, Tiger Shark's got one of my favorite. He's in one of my all-time favorite scenes when. Um, any which way but Zeus when they're all around the table there and Hunter was it Hunter giving everybody nicknames no it's uh, Traster 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 was giving everybody nicknames the nicknaming of everyone is one of my all-time favorite Venture <laughs> Brothers things that was just Agent Topanga Lawrence go <laughs> oh and that's uh probably I I can't think of another bit where Tiger Shark gets another really big moment, but his uh, ill-fated lunge across the table yeah. at Brock is one of the greatest. Just it, it nails the Venture he Brothers. Just smacks him out like a towel, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he's fucking putting down a tablecloth of table. <laughs> but it's what would happen. It's you see something done in a movie, you try and do it in real life, you fail miserably, and then get your ass handed to you. Like that was perfect, Venture Brothers. <laughs> It's like, yeah, bro, that table was way too big for you to try that. Like, you need a, like, a dinner table or a card table. You can't do that like a conference table. (laughs) That's when he starts trying to explain to you that he thought because of his shark skin, he would have better, like, and you're just like, nah, bro. (laughs) Well, and uh, I'm glad you brought that one up because that's also where we kind of start getting a glimpse into the, the other smaller, like, you know, revenge teams. You know, we got Revenge Society, Peril Partnership, uh, you know, obviously the Guild. And, of course, these are all, like, you know, um, riffs on, on unions and groups. You know, but uh, was it obviously the, the Doom Factory, which is the Legion of Doom, operates inside the Guild? Yeah. You know, so it's, you, you get some, some idea of what the, the structure is like there. Uh, and then what was the other one other than the, the, the Peril Partnership? Like when you watch it in the training video that uh, yeah. Doctor, Re- it's like a real like small slice of the pie. I'll look it up. We specifically only arch uh, on the Finger Islands and uh, you know along the Great Lakes. We don't. Uh... Fraternity of Torment. Fraternity of Torment. They only operate on Hell Week. Oh, dude, I can hear the Dave Matthews blaring from miles away. Here comes the yeah. of torment. It's Grave Matthews. <laughs> I have a pun. Uh, and then just kind of rounding out um, the Doom Doom Squad, we'll call them. Uh, Frigid was sort of this female Captain Cold kind of a figure with no. the, the, the Madonna torpedo tits. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Black Maria was basically Black Manta, but as like a camera. Oh, Black Mariah, yeah. Yeah. They 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 really went hard in the, that whole scene right there to try and throw, and I probably missed one or two still. Uh, they Everybody was like half an Andy Warhol kind of a figure and then half kind of an old DC throwaway. And you're just kind of like, okay, holy crap. Like <laughs> they really just, I want to say they've got a third of my list here. I spent most of my time just sort of digging around in that one. Um, 
And apparently Doc Hammer very much uh, does not not like Andy Warhol. So that's why Andy Warhol was very much like a bad guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, kind of how they, they set that up. And that makes a lot of sense because uh, Doc Hammer is very into, you know, Renaissance, uh, you know, paint, oil paintings and stuff. And so Andy Warhol goes against every one of his like sensibilities as an artist. <laughs> Definitely. Um, running into actually, you nailed a few of my other ones here. The only other real big ones I saw, um, speaking of big, Monstroso clearly being a kingpin. Um, analog, yeah, yeah, kingpin was sort of everyone's villain in New York for a while, stuck mainly to Spider Man. Um, but they, I think they really upped the ante on him in a nice way in Venture Brothers by doing the lawyer route and all that. Like, that was just such a clever move. Like, he's a villain and a lawyer. Come on. What were you thinking? Like, that whole... Um, I'm sad that the arc ended. It, it ends in actually probably my favorite episode, um, OSI I Love You, um, with Monstroso's unfortunate demise. Uh, I'm really hoping since it was a death not seen, death didn't happen. Um, you, you think he just floated out of the, the helicarrier? <laughs> he magically hey. became helium? <laughs> he landed in a marshmallow factory. Like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> hey, I there's mean... There's always that one story of the guy who lived fell from a burn and you're just like no way what happened to one guy he made it like it could happen monstros is a big guy he could defy gravity what or something or just and rolled yes down. gravity doesn't work on big things as well no no that's why flies don't i was actually just watching the old uh superman the animated series the uh, the prometheon where it's this asteroid coming at earth and then um they go to like the original up. from the 40s no, no, no. The uh, Paul Dini and all that yeah, from fucking hipster. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a fucking hipster. Yeah, like the original one from the forties, like not not that rebaked, like late nineties stuff. Like, oh, no, dude. Well, I mean, it just it, it changes what the context for the analogy is going to be. Like, yeah, no, no, I, I, dude, I, I, that forties Superman was gorgeous. That was one of, the, if not the best cartoon that did not come out of Disney in like, I mean, dude, it, 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 it was like Snow White level good. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's amazing. No, no, no. It was uh, the, the, the newer one. Um, Prometheon, I think it was called. Mr. Mixoplex. <laughs> right. Oh, give me Mixoplex. Uh, we, 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 that's what I'm dying for. Oh. It's not another deep cut reference, but I don't think we've had a genuine Mixoplex yet. Now that, now that we've kind of chopped through that? some shit. Let's no. That might fucking sorrow. <laughs> next, like Suicide Squad. I can't tell you how excited I am for that. Like, this is what DC has been failing at. They got it right on the Flash show and part of the the Arrowverse, right? It's like we're doing a comic book show. Let's finally do comic book stuff. Yeah, cool. Like, good. You know, the fucking suit comes out of the fucking flash ring. There's a psychic gorilla, like, you know, with all the trappings, right? Uh, they're finally getting there. 
you know, that's, that's what, uh, you know, this whole bit is, is them finally, uh, you know, being unafraid to embrace the absurdity. Like, after you've got, like, fucking John Cena Peacemaker wearing a goddamn disco ball in, mm-hmm. like, real life, like, a fucking, you know, giant mind-controlling starfish is not without the realm of goddamn possibility. And I, yes, yes. <laughs> well, did you hear uh, James Gunn's enjoyed making, um, I guess they've already started working on the show for Peacemaker, and he said he's enjoying the uh, TV format so much that he's not looking to go back to film possibly afterwards. And what? I'm like, he's not going to do Guardians 3? Oh, um, no, Guardians 3 is already pretty much no, made <clears throat> Yeah, they're, I want to say they've already started, they've already started on shooting or they're about to start shooting on that one yeah um after his slated projects though he's kind of apparently made at least a statement saying that he wouldn't mind just saying meh to film and you know the way streaming television is now uh it's not like saying oh i'm gonna go work on cbs like it's a completely different ball game now so i could definitely see that being david lynch is doing the same shit between like youtube and uh like you know the the new tv format yeah Mm -hmm. he's like oh yeah why why it, it, my it doesn't a tenth of the mean uh, yeah no you gotta love what um excessive amounts of money and uh high-speed internet have done for the quality of entertainment that we've got <laughs> um somebody tried to put hbo max into perspective for me and it was some of the effect of you know with the snyder cut and this that and the other if they get just i forget whatever number of thousand subscriber it was like it's literally at the point where they're releasing a billion dollar movie every month. Like that's what the value of this is for them. It's like releasing a billion dollar movie every month. And when you are pretty much banking on having that available, just you know, from your standard subscriber list, you can do all kinds of stuff. Like if like, you know, it's not impossible. Dude, 70 grand or 70 million is a bit of a drop in the bucket compared to what the long-term payout of that's going to be. Like as soon as you get people on your platform, they're going to be there for a while. Game of Thrones got me on, you know, almost a decade ago and I'm still there. Like, no, I mean, uh, oh and even like, I don't know, even the misses aren't that bad. Like, let's just be honest about how awful the new Mortal Kombat was. Uh. <laughs> It, you know, it, we were kind of sending me a text. You asked me what I thought of it. I, I can't know it was my most enjoyable part of it. But, you know, and I actually, and the first 10 minutes of that were amazing. And then it just dropped off. <laughs> like, I got great opening 10 minutes and then just drop off back to that 90s movie again. They were like, psych! <laughs> as soon as Scorpion caught fire, they were like, you thought you were getting something else. Uh, well, you remember Cole Young from Deadpool 2, right? Like uh, Lewis Tan. Uh, he played Shatterstar. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, 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 it was uh, some bold choices. You know, they made a mistake. That, no. Oh, no, one mistake. They made a mistake in the same way a bunch of like other comic book properties and video game properties did, right? Specifically, and this ties us back to what you were talking about earlier, how long have we been doing superhero movies, right? Like, you know, you could say that it really, really started with Superman, right? And then it took a little while. We had a good run of Superman. Then we got to like 90s or 1989 
Tim Burton Batman. And that's when everything changed, right? That's when Marvel first tried to make a Punisher movie with Dolph Lundgren. That's when they really first started trying to do that early, that first Captain America movie, that Fantastic Four movie. And they were just really bad at it. And do you remember what a revelation the X-Men movies were? And be like, uh, and then how all over Spider Sam Raimi's Spider-Man's nuts everybody was. And like, you go back, you look at them now, they're decent, they're all right, but they're not mind-blowing. That tells you the quality that people were expecting out of comic book movies was well, not very high. Oh, well, oh, oh. You know, we got know. ripped. We got ripped off, though, because right at that point, you just got to what, in an alternate reality with no Writers Guild strike, would have then been, and then Frank Miller's Justice League came out, and everything would have... I don't know if you've ever heard any of the stories about Frank yeah. Miller's Justice League. <sighs> well, we were and, this okay. close to starting the Snyder verse about 15 years earlier, yeah. but we just missed out. <laughs> yeah, because they couldn't be bothered to throw some writers a little extra money. And they, they, they didn't just screw themselves. They screwed, they screwed their fans. Well, like, and and all uh, they had to do was agree to some pretty basic stuff. Like, no, granted, don't get me wrong. Sometimes when like certain groups, they got a lot of, a lot of weight to throw around. They start asking for some wacky shit. Prime example, NRA. <laughs> right? They're like, you know what we need? Armed kindergartners. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Nobody will go into a school if everybody's back in throwing stars. Right? AK Healing through 12. AK through 12. AK through 12. <laughs> 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 oh my god <laughs> dude holy shit wow what just happened oh that was so good wow i'm so glad i was here for that <laughs> dude watch we've had uh, this has been conject tech uh, <laughs> right, there, is, there is nothing we can do that will ever be better than that <laughs> dude oh that's so unfortunate <laughs> oh. i could make nine horrible jokes that would get us pulled off air that they can't pull us off of right now <laughs> oh but let's see suffice to say like it, a bunch of that could have been avoided by just you know like making slightly better business choices to keep the people driving your content like slightly happier like this oh, no, that's before it was called content and no no here's the thing you keep forgetting that like the joe schumacher batmans existed it's not oh, like clearly did not forget. and spider-man 3 exists yeah here's the thing like, about those uh, things joe were bad before iron man happened joe schumacher to his credit had a vision it was not a great one (laughs) but it was a vision he had that vision and i am actually inclined to follow along with what kevin smith said which is no one has any right to talk shit about your self-expression joel schumacher self-expressed himself with bat nipples and all kinds of like they were really comic booky like he took tim burton and they weren't really slightly more uh slightly more adam west you know, man, here's the thing. Well, I, and I appreciate it because it's subversive in context to the literature. I appreciate that. I do. Like Christopher Nolan, on the other hand, was very much a, 
a purist in a sense when it came to the the source material but like one of the things i appreciate joel schumacher for is, is you know putting the uh the big gay finger on it like the the joke between you know batman and robin had been going on in the gay community like the rusty venture like you know yeah, <laughs> rusty venture was a gay icon yeah, you know the same way like adam west batman was a gay icon and joel schumacher was like yeah we're gonna have big gay batman <laughs> and i was i mean like when i kind of went back as a film student and put a lot of like you know social context together i was like oh shit this is amazing for what that is okay yeah but like in terms of like a a, a batman movie and an attempt at like a four movie continuity no 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 these were not good movies honestly uh, i pinched that off at two like the last two like the other two joel schumacher batman movies are just batman movies they're not related to the tim burton ones honestly man it was like trying to expect uh, an emotionally resonant dramatic arc from the adam west batman like you can get one good episode. You might even get a really good two-parter, but there is no way you are carrying like a a storyline through in any meaningful way when you have shark. <laughs> Easy, chum. You've had uh, more than one soda today. Caffeine's a hard drug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, there was a... Um... A podcast I was listening to with uh, George Clooney on it. He was talking to, um, oh crap, uh, Pretty Poor Boy, <laughs> Pretty Boy from the eighties, Rob Lowe. He was talking to Rob Lowe, and uh, Rob Lowe was saying that he was trying to get a part in that movie when it was getting cast and everything, and uh, he had his agent reach out, and the agent came back with. Joel has a really clear vision for George and Chris O'Donnell. And his reply was, I'm sure he does. And I am not what they're looking for then. Um, <laughs> it was very, uh, it, it was very illuminating. I didn't expect to actually get a lot of good um, Batman stuff out of the interview. I was just kind of expecting to hear 80s to 90s Playboy Hollywood bullshit. But then all of a sudden I got this really good, it's got a really good nerdy deep dive into, well, paying the utmost respect to, because he has now since passed, um, but at the same time completely acknowledging what kind of a filmmaker Schumacher was in general, uh, which was just sort of bigger, harder, faster, sexier. Yeah, um, like, that was a maximalist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was. He was, he was the Michael Bay of... Uh... <laughs> Actually, let's see. If you may, he is the Michael Bay of John Waters. <laughs> yes, bingo. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is perfect. That is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I just picturing John Waters just like ripped? <laughs> <laughs> John Waters doesn't look at explosions. He's dressed like Holy Diver. He's ready. Um, one. Oh, you know, and uh, the thing about Rob Lowe and... Oh, shit, hold on, hold on. Before you get to this, I know who the venture villain, the next venture villain should be. His name is Raw Blow. And he is, right? Super swanky, super classy, 80s businessman with a white spot under his nose. With perfect hair 
and an aggressive pair of hair dryers that he uses to take his uh, nemesis down. It's, he, he likes to tease his ability. He likes to tease yeah, his Yeah, it's the raw blow. <laughs> so his real name, so that no one mistakes him, is as Rob Lowe. <laughs> so no one would put that together. It's like, hi, I'm Rob Lowe. No, 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 I'm not Rob Lowe. I'm Rob Lowe. No, he puts on glasses. <laughs> <laughs> He no, no no here's the kicker he puts on blackout glasses to make himself blind to get his superpower blind <laughs> equals superpowers kids remember that yeah. you know my favorite if I ever got the chance I would love favorite. to ask Rob Lowe what it's like hosting the second handsomest podcast on the internet. <laughs> I could give you four seconds of dead air. I'm sorry. <laughs> I say it's the second handsomest because clearly I'm on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. Um, there is a character who showed up that I can tell, much like we just did with Raw Blow, started off as an homage to a couple of other characters and then morphed into essentially like unrecognizability. Like, this is that character. Rob Lowe makes me think of uncut cocaine. Exactly. So okay. here's the thing. This character is called Sensational. He is a solar system-themed supervillain. His head is the sun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure this character started off as them trying to do Sunspot. Or like, you know, they, they've got Captain Sunshine, but this was like the other, maybe he's like a Captain Sunshine B-take. You know what I mean? Like mm. he, he's B-rolled, C-roll footage from that whole concept and idea. But I couldn't help but feel like there wasn't a bit of a start off of a character like Sunspot. You know, these characters who can like wield fire, but it's a solar fire instead of just an elemental fire kind of like assessment with it and like sensational. Yeah, that makes sense. But I, you know, that's one of those characters that, you know, was only there briefly, but felt like they had, like, it, it could have gone either way. That could have just been the play on words, or it could have been just a, a wild takeoff of one of those other comic characters. Well, it happens a lot in comic books. I mean, if you go back through uh, certain characters, early histories, where there was like somebody else who had the name and they kind of half had the powers and it was some weird in a writer's way you could see how they could get from here to oh captain america now it makes sense yeah. like um i i would love for them to have a living version of one of those running around where they're like oh well, there's the real Captain Sunshine. He's a he. They actually got it right that time. Like that would be such the venture life to live to see your own actualized, better version of yourself running around. It's essentially what Doc had to deal with with like uh, little JJ becoming a. I, would would he be considered the Tony Stark of the venture universe? Yeah, he was, but yeah. Because he yeah. had the little hover stuff yeah, to get, had, I mean. And they did have the Venture, uh, what was it? Not Venturion, um, the giant Voltron. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, and builder. Thing, well, you got to remember, uh, yeah, I think this is really accurate because what happens at the end of season one, the first appearance of, uh, of uh, Jonah Jr.? 
he builds a giant fucking like Mach 1 armor out of the goddamn oven. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> when you're stuck in a cave, you build with what you got. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oddly enough, it was called the Silver Plath. Yeah, that's a poetry joke. Dude. <laughs> it also felt less relevant than ever in an Iron Man context. Like, no, there are no That's overlaps. The guy who was talking about opera fucking minutes ago. I tied it into what we were talking about. You just dropped, dude. He you was just, driving an oven. She put just, her head in the oven to kill herself. Like, the, you just really... dropped the lather and ran out. Listen. My question to you is, how can you enslave a man <laughs> when he was born, he was born free? <laughs> Dishes. <laughs> but. I, I, you know what? I, I think we may have just confused a lot of our listeners. There was a conversation before this episode started. Um, one of the other ones is, do you remember when, um, oh, God bless, uh, Venturion? Yeah, maybe it is Venturion. He went undercover, or Vendetta, that's right. Yeah, Vendetta went undercover, right? The OSI disguised ghost robot as Galacticon to go yeah. undercover on a date with Vendetta. Yeah. Galacticon. What's that? Bot seeks bot. Yeah. Galacticon is obviously like their takeoff of Galactus. Just smaller and less hungry for worlds. Uh, Well, they say one of the Galacticon guys. So I imagine that this is actually like a rip on on something else. Um, Because, I mean, I I always saw the, the Grand Galactic Inquisitor as the smaller, not world devoury, but much more judgy and intrusive, uh, you know, version of that. Oh, absolutely. Well, and let's be, you know, perfectly honest. Like there's a- but, Well, and the Galacticon guy actually looked more like, uh, if I remember correctly, the makeup actually looks more like Apocalypse in the face. It does. It does. Yeah. yeah. It's the well, It's the purple and blue. It's uh, not, it's the eighties. <laughs> they they do like to also kind of just riff on names, even if they don't necessarily have the character look like it. Because um, I didn't realize it until I was digging around for this episode. But there's a character. He's a villain um named Stormfront. Um, he's no. got sort of a kind of a weathery vibe thing going yeah. on. Uh, he's sort of one of you know the generic pop up in the background villain characters. Um, but he doesn't particularly look like Stormfront, either version, comic or um, uh, Amazon series. Um, <laughs> from from the boys, either version. <laughs> yeah. Regarding Galacticon, you can't tell me that that dude doesn't look like a Jack Kirby character. No, I mean, Kirby loved robots. Yeah, but that <laughs> design was a Kirby. That was a Kirby design. There's a lot of things in there. Um, they loved it also. I mean, it was another one. Um, actually, the last, very, very last one note I've got here for the episode, actually. Uh, there's a character, uh, another one of these background pop-up ones, but Omega-8. Um, he's got, like, uh, the giant Omega symbol on his chest. He's kind of got, like, a mix of a bunch of different New God vibes going on. He looks um, very, uh, like, Dr. Zaius. 
<laughs> Get your what? Dr. Zayas. I knew it. I like. I, I knew the second I was going to say you're going to pop into like the the apes musical. <laughs> Get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape. Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas. Um, <laughs> and, and me and Bob were actually talking about how much DC loves a good like primate. Like they're they're all about some apes. Um, actually, when I was working at the library here, there uh, was a, a gentleman who used to come in named Michael Yuri, um, and one of the comics he edited was like, uh, I believe he edited or maybe, uh, or at least he brought it to my attention at the very least, was a, a DC gone ape. And it was like, you know, in addition to like, obviously, you know, you've got Grodd and, and was it Mishur? Mishur Mala. Yeah, Mishur Mala um, and all that. Like it was also ape versions of like, you know, Wonder Woman and Superman. Um, and yeah, they, they really went hard uh like on the ape craze when like Planet of the Apes came out. <laughs> I mean, Salivar, Detective Chimp, like they really do yeah. just kind of keep digging into the chimp thing. They um, are missing out. There are so many like hominid cousins that like, dude, where in the world is the Australopithecus hero? Where is my like, uh, my long forgotten Denisovian analog. Like, uh, he's not a hero. He's a villain. It's um, Vandal Savage. Where, I mean, where, he's the Neanderthal villain. Yeah. They, like, they, they, well they already got him. He's there. They just well represented, man. But what about, like, what about Homo well, 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 Are you, like, literally. Are you seriously, like, complaining about the lack of, like, Neanderthal representation in comics right now? No, I'm saying there's <laughs> Neanderthal representation. You don't need any more. You need the other ones. Where's the, where's the Indonesian Hobbit character, yo? <laughs> like... Oh, the Vandal Savage. That's... They, Vandal they... Savage is a good villain. Well, oh, and they, the... like, squelch that so hard uh, on... Was it... Uh... Eight, no, not mm, this is gonna uh, something of tomorrow. Legends, oh, legends, legends of tomorrow. Because I was they like agents of tomorrow. It. No, that was agents of shield. Agents of orange. Tomorrow. They that did the worst version of the Hawks. They did the worst Savage I've ever seen. Like they took three of my favorite DC things that do actually get tread on fairly often, but not all the time. So when it comes up, you're like, yeah, they're doing it again. Because it's been since like Justice League animated back in the early two thousands was and the last time we got one. Great. Dude, well he was no, he, he was also in the uh, he was also in the new Suicide Squad, hell to pay. Like so, last year. Oh yeah. One of my yeah. favorite uh, DC characters, especially as of late, has been Sandman. Um, like I've been checking out like the Sandman audiobook, and I read it along with the comic. Like the the adventure version of Sandman would be great. Like he can only give you like horny dreams, <laughs> <laughs> or like you know those nervous anxiety dreams. He's like called scary Terry. He's called the sucky boss. Oh, I want Rusty to open up a like a factory and get into a really big argument with his neighbor Swamp Thing. Like he's just <laughs> destroying the green, and he's not gonna have it. But. But this is where he's making his new boom vacuums. Like, and all the, 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 problem all the pollution is, uh, produced is so terrible, but... The, the problem is Marvel only already snagged up the perfect parody name for Swamp Thing. 
man thing. Man thing. Uh, that was one of my favorite, dude. Uh, I, I was still will go to every time I go to a comic. Every time I go to a comic convention, I will still hit the long boxes looking for a giant size man thing. <laughs> like that's just the funniest like joke in comics. Like you you don't have a giant size man thing in your collection. <laughs> Oh, so, the swamp thing dude, man thing version of uh that is the ultimate pickup line at any com convention hey do you want to help me get through this long box and see if we can find a giant man thing a giant size man thing uh, hey girl you want to help me go through that long box looking for a giant size man thing hey girl <laughs> <laughs> numbers game uh, yeah <laughs> Now, in my mind, in the Ventureverse, uh, it's like Swamp Thing, Man Thing, and Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> <laughs> like it pops out of a giant dumpster <laughs> and gives you like, you know, uh, very wordy lessons about like, you know, the environment. Uh, and it, like, because he's environmentally based, yeah, he can make all sorts of stuff grow. But like, if you spray aerosol near him, he like shrinks and like, he's allergic to styrofoam. Swamp King has a poison ivy crown. That's Guy Gardner in the Ventureverse. Swamp King? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he can make anything he wants to out of swamp water. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And like when he's away from the, like he has to do a fight in the city and there's not enough green, but he's able to pull the swamp water out of the sewers. <laughs> Yes, rich in organic microbes. <laughs> Just any thoroughly microbe-infested water. Yeah, oh, dude. <laughs> like Aquaman, but for microbes. It looks like someone forgot to flush the toilet yesterday. Power's activated. <laughs> Dean, I need you to pee in this cup. <laughs> <laughs> If he were a bad guy, he'd be like the head of the unsanitation union workers. Workers yeah. union, unsanitation workers union. Yeah, there we go. What was it in uh, the first Incredibles? He's like, I just need to take a drink of water. And then also he gets his back. <laughs> I'm just really thirsty. <laughs> just a hawks of balloon. Wasn't that, in, uh, was that also in X-Men? X-Men 2? X oh, with uh, with uh, uh, Bobby, uh, Iceman. Yeah, well, and that's how Pyro's powers also work. He doesn't produce manipulate flame. Yeah, he he needs the uh, the lighter yeah, all the time. Yeah. Oh, that would be great if he had to talk to it though. Like he has to manipulate it. Like <laughs> no, but if you go over there and burn them, I'll give you some birthday cake. <laughs> it's the biggest difference between reading the manual of your powers and actually using the them. <laughs> Okay, so for real, like one of my favorite uh, things in Marvel is actually like o Omega leveled mutants, right? Like uh, I'm a big X-Men fan. And one of the ones that I like to explore with mind games a lot is Iceman because he's probably the, the most uh, misnamed character. Yeah, sure, he makes ice, but his true thing is he manipulates water. And at some point he gets to be so powerful he is water like he can feel like some kids splashing around in lake michigan you know while he's like in mexico 
like he can feel the snow on like the the peaks of you know fucking mount everest and all this stuff which also means he can feel your sweat he can he can feel your bodily fluids (laughs) uh you thought it was creepy when professor x went in with cerebro into your mind (laughs) no uh there was actually one comic where uh he lobotomized Thor during a poker game. <laughs> like he created like an ice shard in Thor's brain and like lobotomized him so he wouldn't win the fucking <laughs> That's cold. But <Ba-dum>. burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean here's like the uh, here's the thing about Iceman. With those Omega Love mutant powers, I would never want to go to a movie with that guy. Ever. Don't even want to sit in the same theater. Probably not even the same series of theaters, right? Not even the same Cineplex. No, no, because it is one of those instances where if he laughs so hard, you pee, you're going to be a problem. Oh, <laughs> uh, do you think Iceman's into water sports? I was actually wondering how. Like he- either way, like wholesome or like unwholesome. I, I, I was. There's, wondering- there's a wholesome kind. Water <laughs> <laughs> Water polo is not <laughs> hold wholesome. On, hold, on, hold on, I just want to take a moment and explore for just a second the wholesome kind of the water sports that Vod is talking about. Because Vod, I have to wonder where your brain went. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering I'm about like three miles off the strip, still in the gutter. <laughs> like uh, the clean no. version. What is? I, what is I that mean, even like? Saran wrap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you could go saran wrap. Is that where she drinks a table. whole bunch of electrolytes first instead of just <laughs> right. like whatever? <laughs> well, I, I know the big thing out here for a while was like the glass table fetish and all that. So, I mean, it's like water sports, but on TV. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's good times. So are there any characters that we haven't covered that you feel need to be explored. She's not as deep cuts as she used to be, but I feel like the Ventureverse needs a Waller. I don't know why, but I feel like the idea of some outside of OSI and outside of typical government that they've dealt with, they're just being this person who had a level of authority. I, I would like see that working. That's a really good pull. Like, I'm personally surprised that uh Saint Cloud isn't more modeled on Modoc. Yeah. Yeah. He should go that way. He should start going into like body modifications. Like clearly the setup he's got isn't working. If they come <laughs> back with a season eight, like he needs like a little hovery bodysuit thing that he just like steps into. When is it? Oh, dude. Well, was it? Uh, they're uh, they're redoing. Uh, they're about to release Dune uh, this year. The the Dennis Villeneuve version, right? Or no, no. Yeah, David Lynch, and then this is going to be the the new version of Dune. Uh, so he could totally do like a Baron Harkonnen thing. Ugh. Drop ship in the whole nine. <laughs> I don't. I I gotta tell you, dude. I don't see Saint Cloud going that way. Even slightly, because he couldn't be bothered. He'd have someone else do it for him 
because of his eczema. <laughs> now, I ate a lot of pennies. I'm feeling a little sluggish. Uh, <laughs> no, like, uh, and I'm actually really excited about the the Patton Oswald uh, Modoc series. Yeah, um, that looks good. Yeah, no. Now, I'm, once I saw that, and uh, that sounds, it seems like it's got a very venture edge to it. Um, but I was a little uh, disappointed, like that. Uh, you know, we didn't have time to get to that in a possible season eight. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like their their riff on that would have been good. Like, it would have been Modoc, and you know, it would have been a mixture of like Modoc and fucking Wilson from Castaway. <laughs> A giant volleyball head floating around that's, you know, been given life by like, you know, a, a shamanistic Tom Hanks or some shit. Shamanistic Maybe. Tom Hanks. I think that's just Tom Hanks. It really is. <laughs> Tom Hanks in The Shaman. Um, <laughs> another one would have been Deep Cuts 10, 15 years ago, but who do you think would have been most likely to have accidentally created rocket raccoon in the venture universe well i feel like if it were like a, a he would have gone the way of scamp rocket <laughs> raccoon would have never been a finished product yeah. uh, <laughs> clearly rusty wasn't gonna do it this <laughs> is gonna oh, be or, moving around a raccoon corpse or ben because ben's got the was it a rico right yeah um, so on. like yeah I mean he could have had a instead of a recombinant recombinant homunculi though it had a raccoon homunculi he's a character we need to get I mean I know there it's tough to get probably get J.K. Simmons in for anything um, uh, dude, especially with Invincible blowing the fuck up like it has I know that is that's a whole other piece um, what's your take on Invincible I honestly I had to stop because I I got three I watched the first three that came out on the initial drop and was blown away floored I knew it was from the guy who brought us the walking dead but past that I just knew yeah he did superheroes I was like okay like cool superhero show sat down watched it and was like holy shit uh yeah this is definitely by the guy who gave us the walking dead holy fuck um well, and I, I, I love, uh, you know, a lot of the, the work of day absurdity of it that they throw in, but then it also is very much classically fucking superhero. Yeah. Um, uh, just the whole fucking like, you know, set up, uh, you get like a riff on Superboy. How often do you see that? Yeah. You know, that's kind of neat. No, um, I only, I only put it on hold because, uh, I've, gotten miss vod to really come around to watching a lot of the comic book stuff and we just finished uh boys season two four and um next is on to invincible so i gotta rewatch the first three. Oh no and then uh is it done now or are they still doing weekly drop uh, i think this it's wrapped up i haven't finished it either for the same reasons like that's our our, our like you know treat uh man actually it's really funny um and and Savage can attest to this, and I mean, I would hope the the listeners would know this that like I've consumed hours and hours of fucking media, like you know, visual media very specifically. So this year, uh, starting right around in January, I can actually quantify the exact amount of like hours I've watched television. 
Uh, yeah. So there were nine episodes of WandaVision, two weeks off, six episodes of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then three new episodes, or like I, I'm about four. I'm sorry, four, I'm four episodes in Invincible. So I have watched uh, about 19 hours of television this year. <laughs> Thereabouts. Wait, that's it? Yeah. Holy crap. That's insane. Now, don't get me wrong. There are, there's, you know, I have kids, so there's stuff constantly going on in the background. Uh, so I will steer that into a direction that I enjoy. So I try to put on Muppets as, as much as possible or, or something, you know, you know, suited to that. But like in terms of I'm sitting down, I'm watching this fucking thing. Uh, bam. That's, that's how many hours of television. And I've watched two whole movies, Mortal Kombat being one of them. It's not been a great year for movies. I've always watched the other one. I am mad. Can I be? Can I tell you how crazy, uh, dude? The simple fact that that's the case, knowing everything about you that I have known for how many years now, uh, like that is, I guess, just an outright testament to what your meditation practice is doing for you. Uh, and I'm reading a lot. Uh, Reading is something I can do outside <laughs> on the porch. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, if I'm going to sit still, I'd rather fucking do something because I, I sit still and stare at a wall for like fucking 40 minutes a day now. Uh, <laughs> Impressive. I mean, that's just, that is mind blowing to me. That is just mind blowing to me. You are one of the most dedicated consumers of media that I've ever met. And I oh, don't dude, mean that in- I'm in having the same reaction with my comic book friends. I've got a buddy uh, who is collecting all of the Marvel hip hop covers because that is a, a finished like curation of things now. Some stuff he can't get just because it's way out of his price range. Uh, like there's an Inhumans cover that they did that was like the Sugar Hill Gang uh, cover. Um and that one was like a real limited release. So that like hit the market at like a hundred bucks. Um, but like, I mean, we were grinding on this pretty hard. And then I started just, I was like, started decluttering and I started giving him comics slowly. He's like, what are you doing? Are you okay? Like I, I half expected the intervention banner to come out. He had a friend of mine send me a message. Like we have a little comic book chat group and like my buddy, we call him uh, the bespectacled boy wonder. He hits me up. He's like, are you feeling okay? Like, are you, are you going through some stuff? It was like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm meditating. I'm always going through shit now. <laughs> no, That's what I really figured out is I love the stories and uh, I don't have to collect them because they're all kind of already sitting in the hard drive. Yeah, I get that. Um, so now I'm trying to declutter for other things because I mean, Let's be honest, the slate looks fucking amazing. We are in the golden age here. And Venture Brothers was very much on the, the razor's edge of that golden age. Um, but like, you know, in terms of legit superhero and like sci-fi media, and then like, you know, the good parody media, I'll say this shit. You would not have a lower decks without a Venture Brothers. And lower decks is fucking wonderful. If you are a, a Trekkie, Trekker, whatever is the least offensive term to you, uh, Trek fan, um, because I mean, I am. I'm not as, as diehard. I don't 
speak Klingon or, or anything like that. But uh, that show very much smacks of, of Venture Brothers and it's all the, the workaday shit on a fucking starship. Yeah, like but they I don't think any of the, the viewership issues, if it is having any, have anything to do with whether the show's good or not. It's who's CBS app? What? Yeah, like, uh, I'm going to tell you. Oh, I got, uh, no, no, no. Now it's uh, Paramount Plus. Yeah. Oh, and, they're getting the Beavis and Butthead movie. God damn it. All right, I'll see it at some I, uh, point. <laughs> <laughs> Those uh, bastards got me for a month. They got me oh, for dude. a month. Yes. And then the Tarantino Star Wars flick. What's that? Yeah, and then the Tarantino Star Wars flick. They're going to be exclusive to that when that happens. So that's <laughs> that is so on its way. I'm excited. Fuck Wait. your Snyder cut. I want a Tarantino goddamn Star Trek. Is that a real thing? Yeah. He like like real Star Trek. Wars or like Tarantino no, no, does. Oh, oh, that's right. He he he's been pitching a Star Trek movie for a long time. Yeah. I mean, of the two, which do you think Tarantino would do? The fighty fighty or the talky talky? Like, dude, mm, red shirts are dying. There's going to be an they're going to die. Funny but I mean, conversation Star at Wars a table. versus Star Trek. Star Wars versus Star Trek. Which is Tarantino going to take? He's going to take the Trek. There's a lot more talking ability in the Trek than there is in the the, the Star Wars. Like you have to come up with cool little piffy one sayings for Star Wars. Whereas Star Trek, you can kind of I would get into Tarantino a nine minute conversation of, uh, about a tip. I'd give him an episode of Mandalorian. That would be cool. I mean, his Western love of Western alone is enough to bring You're him right. in, let alone his love of the fucking... Honestly, dude, he is the natural choice for the Mandalorian. Like, if you're going to go in and throw that to a Western director, name anyone else. You've got... Uh, who did 310 to Yuma? That was fucking brilliant. 310 to Yuma was amazing. Wasn't right? that... Uh... It's got Christian Bale and... No, yeah. The director's name is on the tip of my tongue. Was it Mangold? Russell Crowe. Yeah, James Mangold. Mangold. Yeah, 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 yeah. James Mangold. Yeah, he could totally yeah give him an episode of the Mangold. <laughs> From the man who brought you the Wolverine and Logan. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure he's gonna be on the yeah. take. <laughs> From oh, another uh, version of Lone Wolf and Cub. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, Cohen Brothers. Yes. Really good. Oh, really Very different good. episode, but yeah. Oh, uh, so there was an episode of ER that Tarantino directed. And in order to make the studio use his script the exact way he wanted it and use the episode the exact way he wanted to do it, he shot it all in one take, like all in one shot. Like it's, I think, the only episode of ER that has zero cuts in it. Was that his idea or theirs? His. He was like... I'm going to make it to where you can't cut anything out of my episode. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, I would love for him to bring that level of like intensity to fuck with the mouse uh, onto Mandalorian. Like you're getting a 45 minute single shot, like, you know, romp through fucking Tatooine. Like, you know, this is the day in the life of Mos Eisley. Like, <laughs> Well, oh, was it? he did an episode of CSI as well, where he basically just kind of did test shots of burying people uh, for getting to work on Kill Bill. Like, 
two or three years after Kill Bill had come out, I finally saw this. It would, I believe it had come out before Kill Bill did, but they just had somebody like buried out in the Vegas desert. And um, I'm sat there and I'm like, you're doing a not quite as good camera angle as what you fucking put Uma in in the box. You just used this as practice. Like, that's kind of mean. <laughs> Came onto their set. <laughs> I got to... Uh... I got I got two more directors here. Go for it. For the Mandalorian. George Miller. Yes. Okay. And the guy who did Rango. Okay. Actually, yeah. Rango was that shit hit me out of fucking nowhere. Like, this was a kids movie? Somebody greenlit this as a fucking kids movie? It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I remember I was doing um, I was doing the the movies uh, for the like going around doing our our circuit at the uh, uh, different apartment complexes and doing the the poolside movies and stuff, and that's where I caught Rango and I was like, is that Clint? Is that Clint Eastwood? No, fuck a Clint Eastwood. Was was that Raul Duke? Like, yeah. Is that bird have an arrow through his eye? Like, what am I watching? Yeah, it, it was, you know what it was? It was if you gave Tarantino a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Tarantino actually wrote some comics uh, and they're brilliant, by the way. Uh, Django meets Zorro. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it is wonderful. Really? Yes. That's awesome. Uh, I think the first issue you can get for free on Comixology, but like... Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I read the, the first volume on that, and that was uh, just a treat. And especially, I mean, if you enjoy, like, the, the Django stuff. Um, and Western comics, I think, kind of get slept on anymore. Uh, Marvel is trying hard, very hard, to dust that off. I don't know how well it's going. Um, because they've got, like, uh, was it the Two-Gun Kid and then Midnight Raider? Midnight Ra Yeah, Midnight Raider. Um, where like he wears a mask that's literally made out of like the fabric of eternity and it gives him superpowers but he's pretty much carrying like you know two guns and you know wearing like a you know western duster okay. one of my favorite uh favorite dc kind of oddity runs was that uh all-star western um kind of centraled on jonah hex but just yeah. sort of pulled um almost every every character you can think of like their ancestors showed up in the old west and it was just this really kind of cool old west romp where i was like i, I could kind of get into western comics like if you kind of feel like i love superheroes maybe this western thing check out all-star western um really cool run i want to say i ran for at least 40 to 50 comics or so so bit That's of a deep run yeah, I want to say when the least I round that long, if not longer, it was a really cool run. Um, especially, I mean, if you've never gotten to get into Jonah Hex, Jonah's just fucking great. Um, Cobblepot's family shows up, and you know, they're, they're yeah, no, nah, I don't want to ruin anything. It's great. <laughs> no, uh, one of my favorite things that they did with the 2015 Secret Wars was their interpretation of like battle planet and all the yeah dude and i was uh, like and what i love about it is it's actually secret wars part three 
Yeah. Like it, it keeps the whole Beyonder storyline thread going and ties it all up. And, um, you know, we were talking about that with the Franklin Richards stuff, but they had a uh, Marvel 1872. Um, and so it was like Sheriff Steve and then like, you know, uh, the, the Stark blacksmith who's always drunk. Uh, you know, Fisk was the industrialist. Uh, and uh, God, who was it? Um, Red Wolf was the, the big breakout on that one. They, they brought uh, Red Wolf back. Like, I guess they'd killed him off at some point. And this was the version of Red Wolf they were bringing back into the Marvel universe. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was good old, like, you know, uh detective hijinks in the west i mean it was a good like five six issues good tight run fun a lot of parody there uh i mean and it, that's what i loved about all the secret warship was just the different parallel universes like i i would not mind uh, a venture comic just to start exploring that i want to know more about like pinstripe rusty with a full head of hair Dude, you know what I want to see? I want to see Hank and Dean, the same characters that we'd get in the first season, wind up in the past with the Apaches. And everything that we took as being a joke right now turns out to have been a much different circumstance, which is why they're so afraid. <laughs> or, or that's how they lost a set of Hank and Deans. <laughs> like they, they, like you know, some ended up in the past with the Apaches, Dude. and like they try to haunt them from the past into the. It's future. a Back to the Future three situation. Yes, it's going to happen. Like they're going to be flipping through the original. Oh, this land was da, 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 and they're flipping through the old magazines or the old newspapers or the old photos and. There's like 50-year-old Hank and 50-year-old Dean like standing on a massive hill of buffalo <laughs> like with a great big V up, but it's turned the wrong way because they spent time in Britain. Oh, dude. Are you saying Dean becomes QAnon shaman? <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude. If any one of them was going to do that, it'd be Hank. Uh Okay, so who would you have write a Venture Brothers comic? You know what? Fuck it. Let's do the the let's do the the pair. Like, who would you have do the the you know writing and the the illustrations? I mean, if you were gonna go classic with the boys, I would. How about I'd this? Love... We'll go around the table. Pitch me your Venture title. So I got to think it. Who was the uh, the writer behind uh, the Secret Wars that came out a few years ago? Jonathan Hickman. Jonathan Hickman. I would give that dude anything and feel completely. Uh, Marvel did. Marvel gave him X Men, and he is knocking that shit right the out the park right now. Uh, I would um, take that, and I would give him the Apache story to start with, right? Just play around with it, have some fun, and then after that, do whatever. Because here's what you like. What is he? Um, who was the guy who did uh, House of uh, How Powers of Ten? House of Ten. Who was that? Jonathan Hickman. <laughs> uh, yeah. They just moved out of it was Dawn of X, and now they're actually about to have instead of okay, being a '90s guy, '90s guys, you remember the swimsuit uh, issue of Marvel oh, yeah. uh, and the the X Men swimsuit. So the updated version of that now is the Hellfire Gala. 
so they're having like the big hair hellfire gala and so you had the powers of 10 dawn of x right uh and then you had yeah it was like powers of house of x powers of 10 and then that fed into the dawn of x that's going to kick off reign of x where like this is your status quo motherfuckers like you know the mutant agenda has arrived um and i mean dude you uh, that was one of the few things i stayed on and i would talk to you about as it was like you know as each issue was happening to me i remember and dude just the geopolitics of fucking krakoa (laughs) the geopolitics of marvel are interesting to me like they had like a whole infographic like yeah, Wakanda does not get along with uh, the new mutant nation. Uh, Latveria does not get along with the new mutant nation. Neither does Russia. Like, you know, it was all these interesting, like, geopolitical lines. Like, yeah. Anyway, Vod. It looks like that might be where they're going with... Um, I really hope it's where they end up going with the uh, Black Panther 2. Uh, there's the rumors swirling around that there's going to be Wakanda versus Latveria. And I'm just like, come on, do it. Oh yeah, dude. Or even if they get into uh, some of the the newer stuff, like the intergalactic Wakandan Empire, like I'd be down for that shit. Um, just want Doom, man. <laughs> and don't just fuck it up. Doom. Don't don't again anything. No, <laughs> I mean change the costume. Like I get it. Liberty's there. You don't have to change the backstory. Uh, don't change the backstory. Give him a mask. Don't fuck up the voice. And let's just get this right. Like, <laughs> all right. So if I were to pitch a venture title. I would actually get the guy who did some Hanna-Barbera titles for DC. Um, fuck, what is his name? Hang on. Mark Russell. I would actually get Mark Russell to do it. Um, because Mark Russell took two properties uh, and and when they were doing these comic book uptakes of Hanna-Barbera things, actually made them fucking serious shit. Like, I think I actually called and told you uh, about this, Savage, like the whole, uh, like, um, Flintstones being like the, the take on like the postmodern marriage. Like, I was actually getting good, like, marriage advice from Fred Flintstone at one point. Um, and then his, uh, my favorite was the, the take on Snagglepuss, who is a uh, gay playwright in uh, 1950s, uh, you know, America, um, who was doing battle with like the House of Un- uh, the House Committee on Un-American Activities. Yeah. Um, I mean, so he, he takes these just great premises and like you know, these, these simple premises. I mean, this is shit that you take for granted, like Lindstone's. Well, yeah, of course you make it about marriage. That relationship is central to the thing. You know, you explore it. And so how does he make it fun? Well, what was happening in, you know, Neolithic culture? They were switching from, you know, polyamory and polygamy to monogamy. So that's one of the central conflicts in the book is everybody's (laughs) like pushing, you know, monogamy. And then like, you know, they go to a course on like, you know, a whole weekend retreat about it. And they're like, yeah, monogamy, you know, you got your soulmate and this and the other. And it's like... uh, but except for those two. Well, what do you mean? Yeah, Adam and Steve cannot be. And that's what they call them in the book is Adam and Steve. And Fred Flintstone's like, oh, no, 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 no. Then this isn't for me. 
see, here's the thing about the non-breeders. And he goes through this whole thing about how they had extra resources to help out, you know, the tribe, you know, to give resources to those who were struggling with kids. You know, they were there, they were supplemental. So if this isn't good enough for Adam and Steve, then fuck it, it's not good enough for me. And walk <laughs> off. Like, I mean, he gives us great, like, Fred fucking Flintstone. Like, uh, you know, there's a whole cheeky thing about him having to sell vitamins on the side, like hustle vitamins to make extra money. Um, and, you know, then he took a whole bunch of shit that you just randomly know about Snagglepuss. All right. So he is, you know, uh, a little bit flamboyant. Right. You know, heavens to Mercatroy even. Right. And his catchphrase is exit stage left. So he's a playwright. He's a, you know, flamboyant gay playwright, a la Tennessee Williams, um, you know, and the whole book itself, like, is, you know, about culture war. Like, it, it's wonderful. So if there's any dude who could kind of get to the heart of venture, but still maintain the funniness, the humor, the tongue in cheek, the, the work of day absurdity, you know, all the shit that makes it the show, but still give it a little extra like heartbeat on the page fucking mark russell i've even told him this on twitter and he liked it so i'm hoping he's going to do something about it uh that would be awesome um i gotta be honest man that's a really compelling uh a really compelling suggestion there and i would totally have uh i don't know i mean the same guys who were doing uh essentially uh, who's it um the guy who did squirrel girl uh to illustrate it um or no, it wasn't a guy who did Squirrel Girl. Ryan North wrote it, uh, and it was a lady who illustrated. But but the the lady who illustrated the Squirrel Girl run, um, where she defeats Galactus by talking out his eating issues. I got to tell you, I think there's <laughs> one guy that you're uh, you're forgetting who I think would not only bring a Erica help, Henderson. That's her name. Uh, there's a guy who actually worked on the show. Who's also doing comics and stuff now? You're damn you, damn you. <laughs> well, here's the thing: uh, John Rossetti is very apt in the style, and I do like. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like say that that man does not deserve to work on the comics at all. But uh, using my model for adaptation, um, okay, the Bob's Burgers comics and the uh, what was it? Uh, the Rick and Morty comics. Those are great ways to illustrate how you can get something different out of an already animated material. So the Bob's Burgers comics are three vignettes. Um, and it's usually like Gene telling a story, Tina telling a story, and Louise telling a story and with little interstitials, you know. But like the art changes with every story. John Rossetti worked on the show. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, if I were doing like a core venture title, like a, an Avengers style like title, that's the man I'd want to illustrate that. But in terms of like, you know, kind of getting off into the, the minutia of it, um, I would want somebody uh, with a little bit more of a, a cartoony presence. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Okay, well, bearing that in mind, <clears throat> my, my concept is... Uh an extension comic series of when Dean is living in New York by himself during Bright Lights Dean City. Nice. Uh, written by Paul Dini because I just 
come on I, I fucking love all of the from the from the show he clearly knows how to work in actual um like video, uh, video media format and then they did a great run of uh comics with all that too and they continue to still do some good stuff i'm not sure exactly how involved he's been since but i mean this is also a guy who came into an established thing like batman and created something like harlequin essentially Dude, it's so the best batman let's it, not make any bones about it it's yeah. the best version of batman that has ever been put out but well, i want him to central <laughs> It's the best version of Batman because it hinges, it gives you everything you want and need and doesn't hinge on the ability, like it doesn't hinge on a budget. Like, oh shit, they're cutting our budget. It's like, no, no, we we draw all the solutions. <laughs> like, Clayface was such a good villain in that show. But you couldn't, I almost still think you couldn't do that good of a job live action even with the special effects we have now you would still look at it and at some part of you would go computer. Whereas when you're watching it animated, it just all is animated. So it's just as real as anything else going on. Um, they're they're real, real tough to hold anything to. I mean, I, I almost don't like watching Batman the animated series that often because it makes it hard to watch other TV at a certain point. Um, you're just sort of like- wow. uh, It straight up ruins the curve for you? It does. It genuinely does. The music, I mean, I'm so in tune. Like any anything with a really well done orchestrated piece behind it, I'm usually down for. And I mean, come on, every single episode of that show was just beautifully illustrated, orchestrated. How you, like, <laughs> how do you get a show to get kids interested in episodes where you don't even see the main character for like fucking twenty minutes? Yeah, dude. I think Batman fucking did it. It was, it was in many ways uh, like a Batman Twilight Zone. Like, yeah. you, yeah. you got all these other dude. There was an entire episode about a guy who has a bad traffic interaction with a Joker. Yep. It's essentially like a mob story. You know what I mean? They worked in almost every kind of genre, they worked in almost every kind of motif. They played around with so much. And it was, it, just like WandaVision, a love letter to the inspirations that brought it to where it is. In so um, many so, so the man who wrote that, um, <laughs> centraling in on Dean, living in New York, and I want the whole thing to be sort of like him stumbling into bad situations going on, but not actually being the Batman of the situation, um, but done by Neil Adams for the art. And just do that real classic old 70s Gotham look. Uh, just do New York all that way. Um, it would be one, a short run. What the one episode that makes me immediately think about this, the uh, one where the guy thinks he's killed Batman. Yes. And the Joker's giving him like a hard fucking time the whole <laughs> Like, that's Dean. <laughs> Dean accidentally killed Batman. <laughs> And like that's his spent in the city. <laughs> Dude. Oh god. Funny. That's funny. All right. Since we're getting super fanciful here, right? And let, let's be honest, HBO Max could so very clearly recoup the budget on producing another season of the Venture Brothers with the hundreds of thousands of people who would loyally show up to watch it. Like, let's do the, uh, again, 
all you have to do is hold on to it for a couple of months and it's doubled what you spent on it, right? Like easy, it's easy money for them to do it, right? But let's take one step further. Let's say that they realized what a profoundly amazing opportunity for a live action film this might be. Who are you going to cast in your live action uh, series? Well, Patrick Warburton plays Brock. That can just... Absolutely. And I think Urbaniak could very easily straight go over to Doc. I think so too. But I mean, here's the thing is because of how they do the show, we've already immediately, all right, so if we're, we're setting down Urbaniak as Doc, then it's like uh, there are other characters that he voices that are obviously like that's that's out the window now um who would you get to play uh who's hank and dean guys who's hank and dean i don't know young hollywood like that yeah yeah i want it to be like how you know what fucking i've got the perfect one perfect uh the the one uh, used to be uh, Sweet Life with Zach and Cody, and now he's Jughead <laughs> on uh, Riverdale. Okay, those twins could actually do a great like Hank and Dean. <laughs> They're grown up now. Like I think that they could sell the the hair difference, um, and I, I think that they've got the. I mean, after like in, indulging in some Riverdale myself, I like I think Jughead's got got the chops for it. Um, from the guy who didn't want to talk about comic strips, you're indulging in Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, I like comic strips. I'm not that guy. This is o- over there, like over way far yonder, where it, you can't see where I'm pointing, but it's directly at Savage. <laughs> uh, here's okay. Here's the other question, right? Who are you going to have play the Monarch and Doctor Mrs. the Monarch? Bob Hiddleston and great choice, yeah. I mean, it's it's the trendy choice. I'm sure that you could go more obscure and find somebody, but that's just too easy. Um, oh no, the guy who played Gabe. Gabe? He should totally uh, on the Office. Oh, UK Office. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, and uh, oh, and later seasons. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh God, he yeah, he is creepy and gangly, but I don't know if he's got the voice. He is a little more baritone, like he is down there. Yeah, but like, I think he could have that hunch over. <laughs> I like, think he's got the the posture. Uh, and I, I think Kate McKinnon would would make a really solid uh, Doctor Mrs. The Monarch um, because I think she could maintain the voice and not kill the joke. So you'd want her to actually do the voice rather than dubbing it in later? You know, we could do it both ways. Fix it in post. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, fun fact. There was a whole other lady who recorded lines with Joaquin Phoenix in that movie, Her. And then they dubbed her ass right on over with Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) (laughs) like scarlett johansson didn't know a lick about this project they're like we don't like this will you do it sure uh so i mean yeah like if if her performance doesn't work out that way then yeah we got production alternatives (laughs) right 
<laughs> All right, Scarlett, I know everybody knows your voice, but I need you to smoke eight packs a day. Slow, deeper, King Butterfly, deeper. <laughs> That's the audition. Yes. <laughs> King Butterfly, deeper. King Butterfly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although, yeah. would she even be interested in the part since it's not Asian? <laughs> hey, oh, bow. Relevant. The like, <laughs> movie four years ago. <laughs> Um, I'm sure you've got a Robocop reference in there. All right. Who played Dermot? Oh, fuck. No, you know what? That's easy. Evan Peters. <laughs> like, oh, no, if you've seen um, my friend Dahmer, he can do Dermot. <laughs> right. No, he's too clean cut. Look, I mean, Foggy from Daredevil, maybe. I, yeah, he's more of a he's more of a twenty one. I would say so. Yeah, I mean, I would say the the yeah. guy who played Foggy Nelson back in his Mighty Ducks days. That's who like, I was thinking of. I yeah, just when he played Fulton. I guess there's a Mighty Duck show on Disney Plus now because they're just dumping out everything now on Disney Plus now that they've gotten going. Uh, oh, dude, and they were trying to bring the heat. That's got one of the Gilmore Girls in it. Oh, That's the, the, Graham. Yeah. Doubling up on the sports thing because I guess they've got some basketball show with John Stamos. Like they're really trying to get that 90s, late 2000s, early 2000s buck in right now. No, they're uh, trying to keep up with like the, the Space Jam remake with Ryan Coogler. Like that's about to hit. Mm. So they're trying to hop up on that, that sports thing, man. Like we're going through like a, a 90s renaissance, which is a 70s renaissance. So we're going through a, a like a double seventies renaissance and, and then like a nineties renaissance. Like yeah, it's a whole thing. We're you're about to see like a version of the dream team happen again in the mid nineties, calling it. LeBron James, like I know that that technically already happened last Olympics, but like yeah, no. After like the new Space Jam movie and shit, it's going to be like sports montages as far as the goddamn I can see. Karate Kid's already back, man. <laughs> <laughs> from the 80s when ninjas were cool <laughs> here's the thing is i did not know how legit karate kid was until i went back and started like you know wiki holying while i was fucking like watching cobra kai yeah that was like the same dude who wrote and directed rocky or like produced it and stuff the, the same music wrote and directed rocky then it was like the the same producer. Uh, he wrote Rocky and started. Uh, the director was. Uh, I want to say it was the same director, who did all like the first three Rocky movies. But not like you know, Karate Donald Kid was like Donaldson and Sylvester Stallone. And you know that this directly led into like Dolph Lundgren's Punisher. <laughs> I'm, you know, man, of all those early Marvel movies, it was the best. I rented it repeatedly. Uh, I mean, it was definitely better than the Nick Fury movie. I never saw the Nick did Fury you, movie. With did, David Hasselhoff? 
No, <laughs> I never saw the Hasselhoff one. I know. It's the fact that it isn't on Disney Plus is a crying shame. There's not uh, enough of a warning that they could put in front of that movie. <laughs> they'll put out Song of the South before they'll put out that. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, we thought you were black. Fuck no. <laughs> I'm just here to dance with some hot German babes. Hit, hit the music. <laughs> that was my whole thing was i was like knight rider wait there's no fucking car in this bullshit <laughs> did you ever check out did you ever manage to find the original captain america or the original fantastic four only ever seen the stills i've i mean i've heard and there's a documentary about the roger corman fantastic four uh which apparently has been a curse on all the other Fantastic Fours uh, <laughs> since. <laughs> um, they just need to give it back to them to like break the curse. Maybe. Like, Roger Corman, here is $70 million. Go make a movie, end the curse. Yeah, how hard we'll just do it? ours over here. Well, that's my whole thing is how hard is it to do dysfunctional family in space? Dysfunctional family back on Earth with powers. Mystifying, <laughs> like it, this isn't hard. Like, I mean, okay, like, to Matt Groening, <laughs> yeah, like give it to Matt Groening, not the not Percy Warner, you know, not don't give it to the people who gave us like Full House. Well, then we they give the, new the one Full to, House version of that. They gave it to John Watts now, right? Yeah, okay, we're fine. We'll finally get a good one. Yeah, I mean, I know that he's not the most popular Spider-Man director. I think the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi ones get like a bunch of nostalgia love. Yeah. And it, I, it, I, I look at those the same way I look at Christopher Nolan Batman movies. I loved them when I saw them in the theater for the first time. But now that I'm older and looking back at them, I go, that's a 28 to 35 year old man going to high school. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the Dark Knight is a is damn near perfect i can't watch bale like i can't it it hurts me the dark knight rises is also excellent dude like that like the scene where he's reading from a tale of two cities like that you know that funeral scene like dude that was powerful beast cried i cried okay uh i'm gonna go ahead and just say that the most terrifying movie I've ever seen in my life <laughs> was The Dark Knight Rises on IMAX, like a giant IMAX screen uh, because I was tripping ball and Bane, oh my, like the one scene, and you saw it in the trailer so I knew it was coming, like it was dumb, I knew it was happening what a beautiful singing voice in the fucking football field and the guy turns around, which if the like universe would have been real, like and, and fucking just in that way, that would have been cyborg. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that would have been the 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 cyborg, uh, you know, shout out. But no, Christian Bale bailed, and then they tried to, you know. Anyway, um, no, that Bane terrified the shit out of me. Like he was creepy, and that voice, everybody gave him shit for the voice. Like. I thought the voice was deeply unsettling. Like that's the whole point. And that whole he was, 
feel in control. <laughs> just setting his hand on somebody, yeah. like yeah. for a big man to take up that much space. And Tom Hardy's not like a tall dude, so they you know that they had to like pull a Tom Cruise on that shit. Yeah. Um, but like for him to have that like, you know, confidence of physicality. And how did they make his hands that big? Like it was like putting a goddamn catcher's mitt on like dude's shoulder. <laughs> uh, oh, and the dude, uh actually that guy is uh the guy who went on to play Talos in yeah. uh Marvel. And oh yeah, yeah. He, he, that guy is a great villain. Like he's he's pulling it out hard for the Australian villain. He was good in uh Ready he, Player One. He was in Rogue One, yeah. Director Krennic. Yeah. No, he's a he's a solid uh I mean he's a freaking solid actor. He's kind of he's got that typecast, I'll say that. Like you you need a, a bad guy Wasn't who's not really the, the bad guy. Well he was also in a Netflix series and it was excellent about the family. Oh, I know because he actually didn't play a bad guy in that one. He was the brother. Yeah. No, uh, and what not one based on like a Stephen King thing? The Outsider? Maybe? No. It, 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 it was an early Netflix exclusive. Hmm. I forget it. It escapes me. I can't believe we're getting a Django Zorro movie. Are they actually doing that? Yes, 2022. The director is, uh, is, it, is it, if it's not in Tarantino. The writer right? is Jared Carmichael and Johnston McCulley. I don't know that there's a director yet. Jamie Foxx wants to return as Django. If and Tarantino is not coming back, then, then you've got to have Jamie Foxx back. They want Antonio Banderas to reprise his role as Zorro. That could be fun. Because uh, in the comics, when they meet, uh, Zorro's definitely like an older guy. And Zorro, all right, uh, one of the first masked heroes in literature, uh, not the first, uh, that would be the Scarlet Pippernil, um, but uh, Zorro was actually uh, based on kind of a, a real-life folk hero, yeah, uh, Joaquin Murrieta. Um, and his whole thing was like he invented the Bruce Wayne gambit. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, this dude was a, a Mexican uh, living in upper part of Mexico. And then one day uh, he wakes up and he's living in fucking California. Um, and he's running a mine and all this, that, the other. And like, you know, the, the new government comes in and shuts down his mind. Like it's a whole thing. And like, you know, his terrible things happen to his wife and he has to like rebuild. And he kind of ends up building this band of, you know, merry men who, you know, rage against the machine as it were. Like, you know, they're, uh, taken from the rich to the poor but yeah yeah but that was his whole thing was after they amassed enough wealth he would go into town and talk shit about Joaquin Morietta like as like a nobleman like all just you know gussied up like you know him and his wife dressed to the nines and he was just like yeah that guy's a fucking idiot like just constantly talk shit about himself and nobody could confirm what he looked like um, that was like the the big thing um, and when the, the law finally, you know, I say the lawman finally caught up with him, they beheaded him, put his head in a, a jar, like, you know, in, in formaldehyde to keep it. So then his wife could come 
and like visit the head in San Francisco and confirm that they had finally got him. To which she totally just smiled and was like, yeah, sure, you got him and walked off. Um, but yeah, he invented the, the Bruce Wayne gambit of like, you know, uh, I'm going to be really rich and that's my fucking cover story. Nobody's going to suspect a, a thing, you know, from the, the rich dude. And he even got us so bold as to like hang out with the law enforcement who would be pursuing him the next day. Like this dude is very, uh, very legit a folk here. You, I, I talked to Vod about a lot. Like one of my hobbies is collecting the most interesting people in history. Yeah. That's He's one Joaquin yeah. Morietta. And uh, fun fact, the first book ever published in California was the story of Joaquin Morietta uh, published by a Native American. Nice. And fun fact, when he says collecting the most interesting people from history, he's getting into the time machine with Doc Brown and Ed Gein. <laughs> right. I actually got a bunch of my Hugh Jackman boxes. I part of me expecting him to pull something up from his desk, like, so I found the head. <laughs> no, the, the head was okay, actually lost in a fire. The One of the fires in San Francisco was actually uh, a fire in California. No. <laughs> How did, it up, how did it end up in San Francisco? Uh, that's where the marshal's office was. Ah, yeah, okay. he was being hunted by by federal marshals and stuff. Um, the story has a lot more like twist and detail and stuff. And I mean, this guy got put through the ringer before he decided to say "fuck you." I'm, I'm, you know, doing it the way I want it. Um, but uh, he's definitely one of those uh, gentleman criminals. Like this is the uh, equivalent of like, you know the highwayman in you know england like the the gentleman highwayman robber right like he was he was that in the wild west um as long as you didn't like cross like you know certain boundaries or getting you know a certain you know moral predicament with him you were pretty much all right you know uh don't kill any of his men you know nothing bad happens to you uh he even respected a lot of the law dudes He's like you're just doing your job i'm just going to keep stealing from these rich assholes that keep taking my land and I mean, you can imagine how deeply upsetting it is to, okay, I'm Mexican. Awesome. Wait, I'm Californian now? What the fuck's a California? America? Wait, that's north from here. <laughs> I can't speak to the Mexican part, but I can definitely say it's deeply troubling to wake up as a Californian sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was learning that story that I learned, that I figured out mentally speaking uh, and I feel so fucking dumb and white for it. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mexicans are Native Americans. Yes. Yes. Like, culturally speaking, didn't even put two and two, like, those two things together. And I'm not the only one on this. Like, there was a lot of, you know, fucking, I don't want to call it, like, naivete, but, like, genuine, like, fucking ignorance about the idea. Like, uh, those two cultures were just separate. And yeah. especially being on the East Coast, I don't know shit about the West Coast. Dude. Dude, there's this dude I went to school with, fantastic guy, Marine. He was from Brownsville, Texas, which is as far south as you can get in Texas and not be in Mexico yet, right? Like, it's... And <laughs> my buddy, right? Uh, there were a bunch of people from this town in Brownsville that ended up at my school, and they were just, just awesome, right? And so, like, I'm sitting there looking at this dude one day, and I'm realizing that I am speaking to a guy who by it, like this dude's facial structure could have been carved from stone. 
Like it looked like, you know, it's at that moment that you realize you are talking to a, a, a descendant of the Aztec empire as clearly and plainly as day. Like, and it was one of those things that was like, you know, it, it's really easy to pretend that because of the sociocultural differences between the U.S. and Mexico, which are getting closer and closer every year. Same with Canada, right? Like, you know, there's so much interaction. But like, you know, they are legit Native Americans. And that part of Texas that he was from hasn't been Texas all that long. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like looking at Vaughn. He looks like what you'd imagine like a Dickensian orphan grew up to be in London. Please, sir. <laughs> I have some more of this table service. Hey, governor, can I, can I wad up your newspaper and play some football? <laughs> right. Jim, Jiminy, Jim, Jiminy. <laughs> He's so, descended from chimney sweeps. A long, dignified line of chimney sweeps who can jump in and out of paintings at goddamn will. <laughs> it's <laughs> reality shift, like multi-dimensional. <laughs> see, see, the British aspect of that film really speaks to me, and then the the trippy acid jumping into pictures thing really speaks to the inner San Francisco in me. Like that movie is just. <laughs> Oh, and plus you can't do shitty British accents without hitting uh, that one. It's basically like, isn't it's widely regarded as the worst British accent of all time, right? Like uh, Dick Van Dyke's awful Cockney. In Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah. that that has got to be the worst one of all time. All right. <sighs> um, mm, I, for mm. some reason in my head, the name Jessica Beale pops out, but I can't think of a part where she's had a British accent. If she did one, it would be the only one ever worse than the worst one ever. <laughs> there was one, oh no, uh, Natalie Portman. Yeah. I could do a British yeah. accent one time. Uh, Heather Graham does not do a great, like, From Hell was a good movie, but like, yeah. Uh, why can't we get actual Irish women? Oh, dude. Keanu Reeves. Oh, no. Dracula. Oh, Dracula. Oh. Dude, I literally <laughs> just watched this. So, you, you know that Hot 3 is really into Dracula, right? Like, uh, the first gift I ever got Dr. and Mrs. My Wife was that uh, 1931 French poster for the movie Dracula. It's yeah. actually hanging in my garage right now. And so as Hot all three, of our love tokens do <laughs> three, right. Is sitting out there. He sees that all the time. So he gets interested. He asks what it is. I tell him and like eventually gets into Dracula specifically the 1931 Bella Lugosi Dracula. But he's kind of in and out of that one. And he's become aware that the Bram Stoker Dracula exists. So that was playing yesterday and man watching young 90s haircut like Mike Myers so I married an axe murderer haircut like Keanu Reeves speaking a British accent was surreal that man would grow up to become John Wick yeah Natalie Portman she did V for Vendetta that's what it was mm. yeah 
Wow. Don't forget, don't forget Don Cheadle. Alan Moore adaptations where they're like, give that lady a horrible accent and a leading role. <laughs> don't, don't forget Don Cheadle, dude. Oceans. Oh, his accent wasn't terrible in Oceans. Mm, it wasn't good <laughs> <laughs> It was certainly an accent. <laughs> I'll call it an attempt, not an accent. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have deviated. Uh, Vaughn, I was waiting to see if you were going to pull it back in. <laughs> no, no. I wanted to let this drown. And I, come on, man. We were just talking about how I loved it. We're almost you there. You know we're why three you hours. drive? <laughs> He's English. I drive from the opposite side. The We're going back the to road, the, I'm trying to get back to the beginning now. <laughs> well, let's go ahead then and wrap up this episode by asking if there were a single comic book character that was your absolute favorite representation in the show. Like, which of all the comic book character representations do you think was the best or the most interesting or the funniest? Because I got to tell you, dude, the Brown Widow is awesome. Like, of all of the comic book character representations, that's just like, it, that's right. The up Brown there. Widow justifies a lot of my feelings about the Sam Raimi movies. That's also right up there with how good the Impossibles were, right? Like, the Impossibles are just Professor Impossible. It's just brilliant. It's just brilliant, right? The human torch who catches fire whenever he's exposed to oxygen in a very painful, horrifying way, right? Ned is just a giant carbuncle. Sally's skin only turns translucent. Like, you know, everything about that is just so perfectly realized. I'm a massive Grodd fan. So the uh, King Gorilla, King Gorilla just... It, it it the fact that he wasn't quite king or wasn't quite grod he didn't have the uh any of the psychic abilities or anything like that but just the idea of like this is a grod who's been in and out of jail his entire life yeah. like hardcore this is this <laughs> he knows the lingo to when he gets inside like i like the idea of the real world grizzled grod um and i can't remember the name now but Captain Sunshine's Alfred Butler. <laughs> just the, the application is to the buttocks and the inner thigh. The delivery of all of those lines. Now that's a British accent. Someone's <laughs> nailing that accent right there because that was just perfect. Um, I always love whenever there's a new interpretation of Batman. What? Okay, give me my Alfred. Where's yeah. my Alfred? I want to know. And the fact that we were getting um, Ulysses S. Claw playing our next uh alfred that's a total fucking switch up because um what is it andy uh that's yeah Gollum. that's Gollum. and isn't he, circus. he andy yeah. circus that's yeah directed what was it ink master and he, he was also, uh am, am i mixing my people up or that was also, also uh, ulysses s claus andy yeah. Circus. okay yeah no he my brain's directed. not running wrong all right dude he also directed mowgli yeah uh, I saw a thing where amazing. he. Oh, dude, he's uh, directing Venom too. Dude, it, he's in. Uh, why in the world he did not get an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, of, like for Return of the King, is just insane to me. 
Oh, dude, the re- like he played uh, Caesar in yeah, the uh, yeah the the Planet of the Apes. Though. I mean, and and that was good, dude. We went. That was one of the last movies we saw in theaters together. I want I want to say yeah. And I mean, that was one of those we came out. We we're like, why was that so fucking good? Dude, <laughs> no. do you know? You, you mentioned this earlier. Do you know what the single a scaredest any movie has ever made me? Because you were there for it. Like I wasn't frightened in the sense I was worried that stuff was going to jump out and get me, but you were there when it happened. Do you remember what it was and when it was? Mayfair, 2006? Oh, 2005. yeah. We had gone and saw uh, War of the Worlds. <laughs> that movie like was so just... I mean, and that's not our, our usual... Like I'll, I'll be honest, that's not our usual fare is the, the Tom Cruise like, action flick, but this was good. This was really well executed. Like, it, and it made you feel small. Dude, and then I remember we went outside. We walked outside and the fucking crickets. And- well, no, no, we had to, like, they had the, the traffic circle near Mayfair. We had to pull over and pee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was like crickets and frogs and life. This feels better now. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, it, it literally stayed with us as we left the theater. Like, and it was one of those moments where I've never been so glad to hear crickets. Like, it was just one of those moments that made you truly grateful for like what you had around you. And it did, it, it, it was, it was a, a very dynamic form of being unsettled. Like that's the closest thing. I, I don't know if like a fear is quite the right word, but like I walked out grateful. <laughs> Did you ever see a movie called The Descent? With um, uh, the guy who played Mr. Fantastic. In the Marvel movies. Was it? He was also the Wetworks guy in that other film where they're trying to hire the uh, the, the the bad bosses, horrible bosses. He's Are you thinking a cave horror movie? Yeah. What, he was in it? Neil Marshall? No. Oh, Oliver Milburn. Is that who you're looking at? That no. So it was basically an all-female cast. Okay. All right, continue. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's just like the uh, coming out of a movie and really needing something to shake that feeling because it's just super claustrophobic. You're not quite sure if there's monsters in the cave or if these people are just kind of losing their minds. Um, but we nearly got into a car accident in the parking lot because no one in the car was paying attention to the fact that we were now in a car and moving. Oh, jeez. Like, it was just still, like, kind of mild shock from walking out of the movie theater. Um, we apparently needed crickets. Crickets would have saved us. That would have been... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It was called Sanctum. Oh, okay. Uh... Another caving horror. Oh, cave. another cave horror flick. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, if you ever find that one around anywhere and you're in the mood for a horror movie, that's a good... The Descent. The Descent, yeah. And it was one of those ones where, like, the English version got edited with a, one ending, the American got another ending. So depending on, like, if you talk to people internationally who have seen the movie, they have possibly have a completely different take on it because their 
what actually is happening, it completely changes. I want to say there's almost three or four different endings that got released of it. Uh, and it goes from, yeah, the it's all in your head to, no, they just got eaten by monsters. And you're just like, cool. None of this is making me feel better. Like, <laughs> you know that that movie is set in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were uh, down, it was like a group of uh, chicks going on a cave dive down in the south. That was the whole premise on it, yeah. Yeah. No, good, good weird flick. Did they start hearing banjo music the farther down they went? No, but they were told to squeal like pigs. (laughs) Well, they do the best barbecue here. Well, I think that we might have reached the end of our episode today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for our Learning Bed episode, Comics 102, run today by none other than your host, the immaculately quaffed vaudevillain. If you want to know what his real name is, he'll never tell you, but it does not rhyme with raw blow. <laughs> we were also joined by our longtime companda, the Baron Beast Lamode. Inquisitive, tool using, <laughs> representative of the ancient lineages that didn't make it to Homo sapiens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know listen as uh as a member of homo, as a member of homo erectus i'm not pitching in how diverse <laughs> and of course me the brockest of savages who and go ahead and give me an outro fellas Broccoli Savage, because it's good for your mouth. <laughs> I don't know why it's just your mouth. That was on the tip of your tongue. You like were waiting to say that. <laughs> well, guys, once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Vaude Villain. We are celebrating one year of Vaude here with us on Conject Tech, and we couldn't be happier. And dear listener, let us know what kind words you would like to send Vaude in celebration of his year. And we invite you to join us next week when our long-awaited prom episode. Well, not, not next week. Uh, Venture, Venture Sisters will drop How about this? Week. Next episode. When the long-awaited prom episode finally gets its conject check treatment. Conject tech treatment. We're going to inject some conject tech in it. We're going to inject some treat. It, it, it might not even be treatable by the time we're done. And if anybody's out there writing a manic letter to the podcast about all of the characters we've still missed from the show that are comic book references, keep it to your fucking self. I'm already here. We've got a lot of other... Vod, you know that there is someone just like you out there right now who's like, those sons of bitches. I can't believe they- <laughs> Uh, water. Didn't you know the guy with the atomic hat, top hat? He's like a mad hatter or villain. Like, yeah, no, we didn't even talk about Night Dick, (laughs) (laughs) enemy of gay man. That is a shame. That is a shame. There's more we know. 
Well, okay, so it sounds like we're going to have to have a 103, but we're going to need our listeners' help to figure out which ones we should cover. So shoot us an email. And where do they shoot an, shoot an email to, Beast? The interwebs, duh. How do they find our email address? What is the email address? Share it with uh, us. Can, uh, oh, fuck me. I haven't read this thing in a while. Uh, conjectural tech, no, conject tech podcast at gmail.com. Sorry, like, I love venture fans, but uh, I'll be honest, you assholes like swiped up all of the good emails. Like, do you know how hard it was to go through and get a good conject tech email? <laughs> I uh, love you guys. Thanks for beating me to the punch, seriously. Um, and also, uh, coming up, so just to let everybody know, uh, after prom, we're going to dial back on the venture content a little bit. We're going to be a little bit more sparse on the Conject Tech because we have another big project that we're, we're working on uh, that's going to be along the same lines, only going to more justify the tangents that we like to take. So <laughs> more on that as that develops. But wait, there's more. But if you act now, uh... <laughs> <laughs> we're in the headset, boss. I, I, I'm expecting a value. I'm expecting a deal here. If you act now, you can subscribe to my OnlyFans for only five pennies, <laughs> and I'll eat four of them <laughs> sensually. Indeed, indeed. Well, I am super excited. Really looking forward to our prom dissection. Uh, we ran some numbers on what we're thinking that episode is going to run. Uh, do you guys want to share the numbers? Uh, piggybacking, on, <laughs> piggybacking on VOD's uh, don't be afraid to kick it up to like three hours. Uh, I got a message the other day. Uh, VOD is way into like all kinds of podcasts i mean i i do a fair amount of listening but like vaude is the real podcast champion and he one of the like you know prolific guys in the the, the industry uh is, is kevin smith and so vaude's listening to i guess it's fat man on batman mm -hmm. uh and and uh shows me like the episode length three hours like i am so fucking triggered who does kevin smith think he is <laughs> trying to go three hours you don't do three hours, fat man. You only do two. Like, <laughs> don't even turf. try. You're stepping on our turf, Kevin Smith. Back up. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw that as a personal threat and challenge. Um, so, yeah. So, we're I, looking I, at at least. Um, we ran some basic numbers. Hours. We, we, we ran some basic numbers on this, and it is going to be our, it is going to be the Conject Tech podcast, The Snyder Cut. Yeah. We have, on average, been spending about two and a half to three hours per 22 minutes. I, we have even spent longer than that <laughs> per 22 minutes. And we've got an hour and a half worth of material to cover. So yeah, we're going to be like nine hours. Looking at a nine hour podcast. And then I believe we're talking about potentially having uh, a Venture Sisters episode tie-in. It's not just a tie-in. It's not just a feature. Like it's, it's, it's not like yeah. It's, it, it's in there. And, this and, the, and we're working on an, an, an interview, possibly yeah. that'll get cut in the middle of all that. Yeah, this is going. We're going deep, baby. We, we, yeah. we prom night deep. We, we might hit the ten-hour mark. Um, 
Vinter Sisters is doing a whole episode just on. Don't say it. <laughs> just hold on to it. Hold on to it. But then we'll get infected. <laughs> <laughs> that's how. That's why I'm taking like. That's why I have the cream now. Dude, dude, I, I, I I'm sure our listeners will be able to figure out what they're doing their episode on if they've heard i love the way it's like you don't say is it's like voldemort all right like (laughs) (laughs) just save it just save it so yeah uh i'm sure our 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 more yeah you many of you already know what he's what he's talking about but let me just say that there will have to be a rebuttal there will have to be a a more dynamic response. And we cannot wait to hear what our listeners come up with. Those Bye. of you who know, those of you who know, write in your best explanation for what it is. And if it's really good, we'll feature it this next episode that we turn out here with Conjectural Technologies, a Venture Industries podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, from all of us here across the world and deep in your hearts, have a good night. And gentlemen, it's time. You know what time it is. This is happening. This is happening right now. Are we bringing it back? We're bringing it back. Going back. We're going back. We're going to do it again. Don't We're going to make back. sure that this is the worst one we have ever done. <laughs> On the count of three. One, two, three. Go, Go Adventure! <laughs> it wasn't that horrible. <laughs> that was actually better. Maybe the longer we wait, that's where our true power lies. Conjectural Technologies Podcast is hosted, produced, and researched by me, Beast Lamode, Professor Brock Savage, and Vaude Villain. Edited by Beast Lamode and Vaude Villain. Intro music produced by Professor Brock Savage. Email us at conjecturaltechpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at conjecttech underscore pot and go team venture.